This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, here we are on a Thursday. Time flies when you're having fun this week. Welcome in for the next three hours. We will break it all down for you here on the opening kickoff. Mark Heim, Lee Trevanian, and of course Nick Wiggins in the studios of WNSP. Our final show of the week in studio before we take old Air Sports 1 on the road. But we'll get to that here in just a little bit. Another great lineup for you. Masters tease it up this morning. We'll try to give you updates throughout the course of the morning as that progresses. And I know, Lee, you have a number of issues we need to tackle. Yeah, we do. But first of all, when you hear the Masters theme, call Nick quickly and get two tickets, two passes to Timber Creek. We'll also have a Chick-fil-A giveaway here in the 6 o'clock. So our giveaways today are early uh, with the Masters when we have uh, Tony Ruggiero. We're going to get an update. We had him on yesterday, but I felt it would be important to get somebody up there based on what the weather might be or not be. Uh, that seems to be a concern. Uh, the fact that you have the live golfers, 18 of them. Mark, they had the uh, dinner on Tuesday night, and there was a follow-up story today. And according to the report, and, and the Masters dinner is this. All the Masters champs are invited. The defending champ, Scotty Scheffler, gets his menu, and he can pick anything he wants. And according to reports, there was nothing said, done, or any conversation relative to PGA versus Live, because you have Live golfers who have won the Masters there at the dinner, but that on that side of it, to borrow a phrase from a movie, all was quiet on the Western Front. So nothing, nothing <laughs> happened relative to that. In fact, according to the report, Phil Mickelson was like in the background, didn't even say anything. That's really unusual for him to be, you know, very quiet. But he kind of stayed out of it. The one guy that is yelping is Greg Norman. Norman, this would have been neat, but it, uh, unfortunately for Norman, he never won a Masters, but he was three times runner-up, and I think there was one where he really blew it at the end. But he was not invited. As you know, he's CEO of Liv, and he's been vocal about it. But uh, Fred Ridley, who runs the uh, Masters, said, look, we're just trying to concentrate on the golf. We don't want any controversy with Liv versus PGA. They did extend invites to 18 uh, live golfers who qualified. They have their own qualification for the Masters. This is a ma- this is a tournament by invitation only. Eighteen uh, live golfers are competing, and Ridley said all we're trying to do is concentrate on the golf, not on the live versus PGA. So that's why Greg Norman was not invited. He was vocal about it. The tournament starts today. Actually, in about 40 minutes, they have the honorary golfers, uh, Gary Player, Tom Watson, and Jack Nicholas uh, tee off to get it started. Some of the main golfers, Mark, we will not have a chance to comment on this morning. Tiger is like in the 9 o'clock hour, somewhere around 9.18. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, the defending champ, not till later. Rory McIlroy later. Uh, John Rahm and uh, Justin Thomas are in the 9 o'clock hour. So what that means is that even though we don't get to update their scores today, we do tomorrow because they'll be starting earlier usually the uh, the ones in the afternoon go early the next day and vice versa so well we, but we have masters reports all day long so keep it tuned to wnsp so my You'll question get updates. though is uh because we're giving tickets when you hear the masters theme will the masters report 
carry the Masters theme, and will people think it's time to call in uh, when the Masters updates come on? I don't. I think there is. I think that theme. I heard a Masters report yesterday, but that like during the day at three o'clock, four o'clock. No, don't, okay. You don't have to call in. Just uh, I'm just very, saying. Very observant. Thank very, you. Very Thank very you. observant. You know, one of the things we didn't talk about about the Masters was the dinner that uh, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, um, what would you, if it were you, if you want, if if Lee Shervanian won the Masters? And you had your little green jacket. Let me on. just wrap my head around that. If I won the Masters, if you won the Masters, if I won the Masters, okay. What would your appetizer, main course, and dessert? Oh, I, be? I th- I've already, uh, having seen the menu last week, I already put my mind to this. First of all, the main course would be salmon. Sure. And there'd be, and for those who like steak, I'd have that because that's what Scheffler did. He had one of your favorites, uh, redfish. Yes, he did it blackened though. I'm not a fan. Of I'm not. Blackened. I'm not either. I don't like anything blackened. In fact, Grill it for me. Yeah. In fact, my wife saute it. I, I don't know where she went, but she came home yesterday. She was at a restaurant and said she had redfish, but I didn't ask yeah, her ooh. where. But anyway, so I would go. I would go salmon. I would go steak for those who wanted. I wouldn't eat it. My appetizer would be lobster tail. Wow. All right. This man's put some thought into yes, this. Yes, I have. Dessert. I wouldn't go where he went yesterday or the the other day with the uh, cookie skillet. I'm the not even familiar with that. Chocolate chip skillet. It sounds appetizing, but I would go key lime pie. That's my favorite. What about you, Nick? What are, what are you going for? If you won the Masters, even if you hate, since you hate golf, I know that would never happen. But if you could plan, what would you have? What would be the triple G combo meal? Uh. Well, I love the way the show keeps moving. Tough. I, I'll i have to come back to that. Yeah, you I, I don't want to just that. give you a throwaway answer. I want to put you, some thought on it. Okay. How about you? Uh, I'm going with a, you got to go with a meat and a fish. It's kind of like, it's like a wedding almost, right? You got to give people options. So I'm going filet uh, with lump crab meat on top. Like, so a filet Oscar. And then either a lemon butter sauce or a hollandaise on top of that. And then I'm going uh, probably a grilled or sautéed redfish. Same way. You could do it with, like, the Oscar. I'm probably, as an appetizer, it's a good question. I'm probably going with something a little more informal. Something fried, for sure. Because that's just how I rule. If it ain't cooked, it, I mean, if it ain't fried, it ain't cooked, in my opinion. So I'd have to give that some thought. And then uh, maybe a potato soup. Okay. Did you hear about the soup at the uh, dinner the other day? No. He wanted tortilla soup. It was soup a tortilla soup. With avocado. But some of the golfers were saying they loved the meal, but the soup was a bit spicy. Nice. <laughs> and then it, it's just a, it's, it's a chocolate free-for-all. Yeah, for dessert. All right, I, I think I got mine now. All right, go ahead. Let me get a a, a cheeseburger from Five Guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a bowl of pho. Ah, uh, yeah. A bowl of what? Pho. What's that? It's like a Vietnamese noodle soup. All right. Okay. It's pretty good. Let me get some uh, red curry. He sounds like he's in a drive-thru. Let me get that burger and that food. Yeah, let me. All right, some curry. 
And then l- let me get uh like a, a just a plain cheesecake, oh. New York style for the dessert. I could rock with some cheesecake. I, uh, I could. You're, you're not a no, cheesecake I guy. Can't, I don't like cheesecake at all. No, yeah. no, no. I, I could rock it. So cheesecake. obviously Nick has got a menu there where he doesn't want me to attend. That's pretty obvious. You don't. You don't like a cheeseburger from Five Guys. I don't want a cheeseburger from any place. Uh-oh. I'm not, you know what? Let me just say this because you're emphatic about golf. I just don't like cheese that much. But I want to say this about you, Nick, because I got some feedback on stuff you said yesterday. I saw that. I will defend you to the fact that if you don't like golf, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. You're entitled to your opinion. What I did like about what you said, it's like we've had people on this station. Not recently. In fact, one that goes back to when you were doing the afternoon show. I don't like it when a sportscaster comes in or, let's say, a talent or a host and says, nobody likes it. Nick didn't do that. It was like, I don't like golf, but you weren't referring to the whole United States. You know, just because I don't like golf doesn't mean you don't like golf. I remember a show you did. It's like when people like. I can't stand when people do that. He doesn't like golf, but nobody likes baseball. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> go, 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 go douse your face with soap. The good it's one. Sports with those sticks. Nobody. Balls, Even one man, of our guests today tweeted out about the Braves. He's a huge Braves fan. So, like years ago, not you, not me, but a co-host came on and said, "Why do we want to talk about the Winter Olympics? Nobody likes it." Have you ever seen the ratings for the Olympics? Anyway, hey, speaking of ratings. Uh, UConn's win on Monday night, the lowest ever. But there, there's always, uh, when you go ratings, the good and the bad. Yeah, it was the lowest rated Final Four or championship game in history, but it still dominated Monday night as far as programming. It was the most watched pro or college basketball game since last year's championship game, but the rating on CBS was still the lowest that they've had in years. Hmm. And, and it, it did. It was much better than the women's game. Was it? Yeah. There was 14.9, give or take, million. As I told you earlier this week, the women's was 9.9 mil. All right. You bring up the women. Uh, so Angel Reese in the latest, the latest uh, chapter of that saga has gone out and said she is not accepting Jill Biden's apology. She's not going to the White House. They're not going to the White House. We're going to hang with the Obamas. Does she speak? This is really what's got me. Is she now running the program? Does she have say over Scott Woodward, the AD, Kim Mulkey, the basketball coach? All of a sudden now, is she like not only the spokesperson, but she makes the determination on where they're going or not going? Look, Jill Biden who came out earlier this week, and I, and I think her intent, I know what her intent was. It was to honor women's basketball in a sense. She said the game was great. Let's have both teams. Okay. So, obviously, you know, a lot of people thought, well, no, it's just the winner goes and the runner-ups don't go. So, Reese comes out and says, I don't accept the apology because Jill Biden did apologize, but, like, we're not going. I'm saying, well, who? what, are you speaking for the university? Do you, are you the one who's got the voice? Is this Kim Mulkey speaking? Scott Woodward, the AD? You're turning it out because one player? I don't get it. Well, You know who she was on video hanging out with yesterday, don't you, Lee? I don't know, and I don't care. It was Ja Morant. Oh, my gosh. Gee, there, there's somebody. <laughs> after Memphis lost again yesterday. 
Yeah. Was that before she or was after also his hanging loss? out at a local uh, Raising Canes, like behind the counter, like doing, you know how like some of those guys will go and do a, a shift or something? Right. Like she was back there and she and the uh, Raising Canes guy were all doing the whole John Cena thing. Nice. Did you Did you see the Pelicans game yesterday, Nick? Uh, no, I didn't watch it, but I caught up on all the highlights. Well, incredible as it was. The Pelicans win. That's not the incredible part. I'm glad I booked somebody from the uh, Pelicans or to talk about it. Herb Jones, who was basically classified as strictly a defensive player, had a career-high 35 points, the Alabama alum. Herb Jones, think about that, Mark. 35 points in that overtime win over Memphis. Yeah. yeah. How about that? And they were, they were actually up six with 11 seconds left, and they ended up coming back and tying it. They had to go to overtime, but then they ended up winning anyway. We also had a couple of well-known major leaguers get bitten by the shot clock violation. Tim Anderson ejected by the White Sox. He said he was quick-pitched. He argued, eh, you're out of here. And Otani, this is this is a unique. You know, he's a two-way player, pitcher, batter, right? right? He got hit on both of them. <laughs> he got hit as a pitcher, got the win yesterday, but uh, he got called for too, too slow on the delivery, so they called a ball. And then when he was at the plate, he also got a penalty. Mm. Nobody will ever duplicate tough, that. Tough day. Yeah. Tough day. Uh, all right, so we're going to talk to Tony Ruggiero coming up at 630. Uh, he's at Augusta. Wild par three yesterday. Nick, I don't know if you saw it, but it might get you interested in the old golf game, man. There were a bunch of aces getting dropped yesterday. I mean, they were like the, the Steph Curry of golf over there. Just There was one that just one hopped in. I mean, it was pretty exciting stuff. Um Paul Feinbaum is going to join us at 7 o'clock. Ken Trahan on the Pelicans in the NBA. I hadn't talked to Ken in a while. Uh, Jim Nagy. By the way, have to talk to Ken, uh, Jim. Y'all are going to have to remind me that uh, the power of social media. Uh, he he uh, sent out a tweet wanting to know how to get in touch with somebody. Not only did he get the answer, the person he was looking to get in touch with tweeted back at him. It was pretty cool. We'll explain all that later. And then Barrett Salee on... Um, College football, and I'm sure you'll ask him the uh, the obligatory Braves question as he is a is a big Braves guy. So we got a lot going on. Uh, we'll come back. We'll take your calls. Hey, if you're Angel Reese, are you letting bygones be bygones? You going to the White House? I'm going to the White House. I'm the guy that's I'm going to the White House. I don't care who the president is. I'm going to the White House. She says she's going to hang out with the Obamas. Did they invite her to their house? It's unclear. It's unclear. And I don't think I don't think the Obamas are the type of people that are schedule their birthday their kids' birthday party on the same day that right. your kids celebrating just to just to undercut you. I don't think they're that people, but maybe they are. I don't know. Uh, here comes your scoreboard, your traffic, and your weather. We are off and running. It's the opening kickoff here on a Thursday edition. Hey, this is AJ McCarron, and you're listening to WNSD. Mitchell, deep right, forget about it, Garrett Mitchell, he wins it for the Brewers. Hey, it's 623, thanks for hanging with us on this Thursday edition, it's the opening kickoff, Mark and Lee and Nick right here in the sports station, WNSP. So Milwaukee, that was the walk-off home run by Grant Mitchell, they sweep the series from the Mets. I wanted to talk about uh, USA Today released uh, recruiting budgets. And is Georgia getting their money's worth? Georgia 
by far and away spends the most money on recruiting, and I think their class was, what, second behind Alabama this year. The interesting thing about the Georgia football budget of $4.5 million just for the year 2022, it doubled. It doubled the recruiting budgets, it is said in the report, of 45 of the 51 Power Five conferences. We're not saying exceeded. Power conferences, schools. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay, gotcha. And these are public schools. The private schools right. don't have to give out the information. Right. But think about that. They not only exceeded it, they doubled what the other programs. Now, Alabama, which had been among the top, they they still, in the uh, 2022, they slipped to fourth as far as recruiting budget. In the uh, SEC, they were behind Georgia, Texas A&M, and Tennessee. But they had the number one recruiting class. So they're getting more bang for their buck. Absolutely. But from a recruiting standpoint, but but Georgia's got the ultimate prize. You see, I, I, if you're winning national championships, then isn't isn't whatever you're spending on your recruiting budget worth it? Absolutely. I mean, sure. we talk about are they getting their money's worth? The answer is yes, because they're winning championships. And there's really only one team that you can say for sure is getting their money's worth. Just so you understand what we're talking about, Georgia's football recruiting budget in 2022 listed at $4.5 million. Alabama, their budget for recruiting was 2.32 in 2022. Wow. Big difference. So they almost du- essentially doubled up yep. in a recruiting budget. Yeah, and still Alabama had the number one class. So go figure. Maybe George is not spending the money as wisely as we thought. And well, when we talk you, you about could, the budget, it goes for everything you can think of. Transportation to recruit, getting in the plane, getting in the car, taking lodging. Taking a helicopter to, sure. the, uh, to the high school and landing on the football field. Uh, unofficial, official visits for players coming in, phone charges, postage for pursuing rec- uh, recruits. It, it's all inclusive. In that figure. But Georgia, since 2017, by far and away, the, the most money they have spent. And, look, they've won back-to-back national titles. So, obviously, it's working. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know it's just part of the – because you got to – you know, it's part of the equation. But wouldn't you rather spend more than your competitor, assuming you can afford it, which obviously they can, wouldn't you rather pay more than your competitor and still – and, and get the championship. I mean, Alabama or name your team isn't sitting there and saying, "We uh, we we spent half of what you did and, and, and still and, out recruited yeah, you." I mean, they're not saying that because they're not winning titles now. Now, if Alabama were to have won the national championship or name your university, yeah, I'd be sitting there with my with my receipt saying, "See, see, not, we got the better deal." So if you look at the SEC in 2022 for recruiting, Texas A&M was second. Yeah. How do you think the f- people in A&M land, yeah. Aggie land, are going to feel when they say, oh, we were the second as far as spending. What did we wind up with? Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow right there because you got to have something to show for your, for your purchases, right? Yeah, I, I try to put it and try to compare it to just everyday life. That's like going out and, and getting that, that car you always wanted. And then your neighbor rolls into his driveway with the same car but got it at, like, half price. Speaking about money and spending, at an auction this week, Babe Ruth's Polo Grounds bat. Now, just back up on this. Everybody knows that 
he his starting with the Yankees. But when he came to the Yankees, Mark, they didn't have Yankee Stadium. They had to play two years in the polo grounds. So where they got this bat from, who knows? This was back in 1921-22 before they moved to Yankee Stadium. It was a record-selling bat, $1.85 million for a bat that Babe Ruth used in the polo grounds. How long, if you had that bat, clearly you're not going to take any cuts with that in the batter's box, right? But I'd be holding that thing as I walked around. But the thing is, he must have used a few bats. Some broke. I mean, didn't bats break in those days? I mean, when I say, was this bat really all during the season? I mean, you know, players go through a lot of bats these days. I'd make it a conversation piece. It'd be like... It'd be like the leg to my coffee stand or, or coffee table or I'd just I'd be I'd be having people over and I'd just have it slung over my over my shoulder. I'd make people say, What is that? Oh, oh you're you're this right. Whole thing? I've actually been to homes where they have bought purchase seats from let's say a ballpark and when you walk in, that's what you see first of all. Yeah. It's mounted on the wall. Yeah. I have also, I'll never forget this, a very famous talk show host and a, and a friend of mine I worked with in New Jersey was a huge fan of Disney. And when you walked into his house, before you went left, right, or wherever, there was this huge stand of nothing but Disney memorabilia staring you in the face. Hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, different strokes for different folks. Uh, speaking of which, Nick, you might want to take the next segment off. Tony Ruggiero is next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Sorry, it's a little early though. You gotta get you gotta get the guys pumped, man. It's Thursday. Here we go. It's Masters Week. I can't hold my I can't contain my excitement here. Let's do this. You aced it, huh? Very good. Well, I wouldn't be the only one, apparently. So with the Masters theme, we've talked about it. Hit the phones right now if you want to play Timber Creek, 694-1055. If you want to hear about the Masters, stay with us right now because we're going up there to Georgia. The Masters, Augusta. His name is Tony Ruggiero. He's the uh, co-host of the Dew Sweepers, which is an a, a daily, not daily. It's a weekly show on WNSP from seven to eight. In fact, I li- Tony, I want you to know I actually listen to your show before and after I work out in the morning, so you know you have at least one listener. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Hopefully, we got a couple more. But, I know uh, you do. Good morning, y'all. Doing our, you guys doing all right? Yes, and I'm so glad you're available for us. So, what's the weather like today? What does it look like? Today, forecast actually is good. Uh, it's going to be really a perfect day for golf. It's going to be warm in the 80s. Uh, looks like we'll have some sun. And yesterday was perfect. Uh, you know, so the golf course dried out a good bit. And I'm sure they were trying it out overnight with their sub-air system. So uh, today's going to be a beautiful day. And tomorrow morning will be cooler. Uh, I think tomorrow afternoon is when it starts getting pretty windy and and cooler, and there'll be some rain coming in. So, you know, tomorrow afternoon is when it'll start getting a little more difficult. I mean, obviously today we'll see how firm they get the golf course and how fast it plays. Uh, But today should be a good scoring day. You're going to have warm sun, 
you know, um, and and virtually no win today. Let me ask you this: I was curious when I when I took a look at who's paired with who. How do they do that? Is there a rhyme to reason? Is there anything that goes into this that to pair, let's say, Tiger with somebody or to put uh, Justin Thomas with somebody? How do they determine that? Well, there's there's a traditional pairing of last year's champion with uh, last year's champion with the uh, U.S. Amateur champion, and generally the uh, and then generally the uh, Open champion. But you know, they always put the last year's Masters champion with the U.S. Amateur champion. That's a tradition. And then from there, I mean, they've got a committee, a tournament committee, championship committee that does that handles all that and. You know, it's an interesting tournament because it's obviously a smaller field than the other majors. You've got a lot of past, you know, not not as many as in years past, but you got a fair number of past champions that come back and play that may, I don't know how you say it, but it may not be as competitive as they used to be that are towards the end of their careers uh, that come back and it's maybe a little more ceremonial. And so they figure, you know, they, they kind of match those people in and, uh, pair them up and you know and just it i think it's i don't know that it's random random but fairly random i mean uh, obviously they create pairings that are interesting for tv as you look at you know who they pair tiger with and different things and but you know they they take all that stuff into account but there's a committee <clears throat> a tournament committee and that does it and works i'm sure with the chairman Tony Rogero is our guest here on WNSP. All right, I got a hypothetical for you, Tony. Are you more likely, if I gave you three outs against a major league pitcher, we'll even turn the pitch clock off and all that stuff off for you. You get to take all the time you want. You get in the box, three outs against a major league baseball pitcher. Are you more likely to hit, get a single hit off a major league baseball pitcher or hit back-to-back aces on par threes? <laughs> I would say I would say a hit off a baseball pitcher. <laughs> How crazy! I mean, Those aces know, were I mean, dropping. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the you know, so certainly on a regular golf course, the odds are astronomical. Yeah, uh, they're still pretty steep, you know, on a par three golf course. Now that being said, I will say the those greens and the pins are set up. Where it is, it is conducive to because they want hole in ones because the crowd loves it, the players sure. love it, it creates great memories and so forth. So, uh, you know, it is probably you're in a situation where it's probably a hair easier than just playing on, on your regular golf course on a on a Saturday or Friday. But uh, still, pretty remarkable. And again, it just shows you how good the how good those players are. I mean, you know, every person in this field, regardless of I said there some guys that had been past champions that maybe aren't competitive anymore, even those, uh, I mean, the skill level and how good the players are is so impressive. And every time I'm here and I get the opportunity to walk around and to coach and be inside the ropes, you're, you know, you're, you're amazed at how deep, you know, just how good the players are from top to bottom. So and how incredibly talented they are. Tom Hogue won the par three. Is he, do you think, a, a contender? Is he, I don't know much about him, Tony. That's what I'm asking. Is he type of golfer no, that a, could? Well, he's a, he's a fantastic player, great iron player. Um, he's played really well of late, although nobody's ever won the par three contest and won the golf tournament. So there's that history going against yeah. you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, he's a great ball striker, which I think is uh, – uh, and he's been up there in, in, in a fair amount of 
events, you know, this year. He's had a great he had a great season last year and a good start to this year. So you you know, obviously he's here. He's a great player and he's gonna have the opportunity. He is a really, really good ball striker, especially a uh, an especially really good iron player. And I think that'll set up that'll set up well for this for this week. When you win the par three, do you get any kind of jack not a green jacket, but any kind of memento or jacket or trophy? Is there Yeah, you get a you get there is a piece of crystal. They give out crystal for you know, Eagles, Holy Ones, and, you know, par three winner gets a, p- a trophy, a, a piece of Augusta crystal. Uh, so, yeah, it's very, uh, you know, it's a memorable experience. It's a This is a huge event to be part of, you know, uh, it's it's a really neat thing to be, you know, any player, if you, t- if you listen to the players on the practice team, I mean, they're all excited and, and just, you know, very, very, uh, it's an emotional thing for a lot of them, especially as they get older and they realize they may not be many more of them in their career. Uh, you know, it's such a, it's such a big event in our sport and, uh, and such a cool thing to be part of. So it's, uh, anyways, yeah, they give out mementos and those are important to the players. Have you ever hit a uh, uh, an ace in your career, Tony? I have. I've had six, but you know, it's it, obviously a lot of that's luck for sure. Well, that, that, that's a lot of crystal, dude. I'm just saying. <laughs> I didn't do any of it here at Augusta, especially during competition. So uh, I, they, they're not handing out any crystal to me, that's for sure. Yeah. We're talking to Tony Ruggiero. You can hear him uh, Saturdays from 7 to 8 in the morning on WNSP. Tony, I, I'm only assuming, tell me if I'm wrong, that you're a golfer, that you're up there for Ben Carr. Uh, I'm assuming that he went out like others and played the course and I'm assuming you would be with him. What are some of the insights that people need to know about the course as it's set up for this tournament? Well, I mean, the golf course changes every year. Every year they find a way to, you know, tweak and and, uh, modify and and change the golf course. So, uh, you know, you have to get used to the golf course. You know, I think there's uh, every player here generally comes in several times before the Masters. Uh, they're allowed a certain number of visits. I know we did that. We came in. Ben came in multiple times. I came over a few weeks ago, and we walked the golf course. You can walk it without the crowds or without the patrons and without the stands, et cetera, and, and get a feel for the golf course. And then I think your job this week is – is to see how the golf course changes daily with the weather and their ability to control some of the firmness. And Because the golf course in every major and every tournament evolves during the week. It changes conditions, whether it gets firmer and faster and harder or more difficult. So, um, you know, this week is a little more of a challenge because there's – the weather out there and you you know the forecast has changed almost every day you wake up it's a little bit different it's been pushed back from when they thought the weather was going to come in so uh you know if the golf course plays softer on the weekend with cold and really windy weather it's going to play pretty dang long and difficult it's already very it's already very long golf course so uh it's a ball strikers golf course i think the change to what they did in number 13 where they moved it back some 70 yards or so uh, takes away the angle for players to cut over the corner and hit some short irons into a par five. I think it's made it more of a three-shot par five for the majority of the players. So you, I think it's going to raise scoring. I think that's probably costing, probably going to raise the scoring close to a shot around on average. And 
which I, you know makes the golf course play harder. So there's less birdie opportunities. 13, if you hit a good tee ball, used to be almost an automatic birdie or would give you probably one of the most likely birdie chances on the golf course possibly with an eagle and now you know i think you uh everybody's uh, the majority of people are going to be hitting wedges in which will create birdie opportunities but i think you're going to have far less eagle opportunities and you'll see far more players make pars uh what has a better chance of happening you think uh this weekend mcelroy gets the 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 one that continues to elude him or scheffler gets back-to-back wins uh, at the masters I, I think rory uh we were talking about this at dinner last night. We were at dinner with one of the Golf Channel folks, and I think uh, I think Rory. I mean, he's playing great. Um, he's 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 had a great year. Obviously, with all the live tour stuff, he's took a, he's taken a big stance and a big posture, and uh, he's delivered on that with his golf in big moments a few times. Um, and he obviously really wants this one, and he's in really good form and he also seems to be very relaxed and you know very secure uh, just you know very comfortable look and comfortable feeling doesn't look as anxious doesn't look like he's trying too hard uh so i i, I think for sure rory would be the you know would be the better pick between the two but that being said i mean scotty's I mean, on a heater, he's played, he's for sure the best player in the world and um, right now. And I think that, uh, you know, he he has a calmness about him and he's uh, got an unbelievable mental approach and uh, the way he's playing, you know, I would feel certain he's going to be in the mix. I just would take Rory on that bet. I think you're going to see, I think I might have said this yesterday, that I think you're going to see that the four, five, six best players in the world all in contention this weekend because I think the golf course is going to lend itself to that with some of the weather. I think some of the better players will come through. And I also think that uh, the best players in the world have been playing the best. Uh, all of them have been playing some really good golf in the last three, four months, which doesn't always happen here. A couple of quick takes. If a live, go- a live golfer wins it, who's it going to be? Uh, another good question. You know, I think you'd have to look at DJ or Kepka would probably be the two and cam smith those three would be because i just think they in general have their games they've played really good golf there and been in the mix and i also think that the way their games are they're powerful uh those t- uh, and cam smith is such a great putter and chipper i think i think they'll be the ones that you would think i mean you know some of the other ones haven't played that great in this event or if they've been past champions, they really haven't played. They haven't been playing that well on this level as of recent. And the other quick take, the winning score will be how many shots under par? You know, so the weather, just how bad the weather gets Friday afternoon and Saturday plays a big part of it. But I think it's probably going to be somewhere around, I would think it's probably going to be somewhere between 11 and 13 under, somewhere in there would be my guess. <clears throat> You know, because I think Friday afternoon, if it blows 10 to 20, and the temperature's dropping, and the uh, you know, I think it could get pretty. I think it could get pretty nasty out there, pretty difficult, and I think it could move the cut line a, a shot or two as well. So, you know, I, I think Friday afternoon you'll see a lot of movement on the scoreboard, guys trying to survive some of that wind, and then Saturday, you know, Saturday Saturday could be pretty cold and rainy and crummy to be honest so see it's going you know it'll be interesting to see but i think it'll be somewhere between 11 and 13 under one final question i have 
totally off the wall. Does John Daly still set up outside uh, Augusta? Yeah, we drove by, we drove by the Hooters yesterday. Had a sign out there. So yeah, he's he's still doing it. He's obviously you know he's still a great attraction. You know, and obviously had a great career. Uh, you could argue about some of the life decisions I'm sure been made, but but he's there still selling his stuff and doing an event every year at, at, at the Hooters. He's clearly least fascinated by that. Uh, hey, thank you so much for spending a little time with us, man. Enjoy Augusta. We always uh, appreciate you coming aboard with us. Uh, no problem, guys. Y'all have a great Masters weekend, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. That's appreciate Tony it. Ruggiero, ladies and gentlemen. And you can hear him 7 to 8 on Saturdays on WNSP, the Dew Sweepers. I highly recommend if you need any kind of oral surgery, facial surgery, that you see Dr. Christopher Mullinex or his associates, Dr. Aaron Wallander and Dr. Michael Babston. Three outstanding oral surgeons available with no referral needed. Same-day appointments are available. They've certainly impressed me over the years with their professionalism, attention to detail. Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery is located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. If you need to make an appointment, give them a call at 471 33 81. They specialize, well, dental implants, something I know quite a bit about, facial trauma, knocked out teeth, wisdom teeth, and it goes on and on. That's Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery, 715 Downtown or Boulevard. All right, when we come back, uh, we'll have a little Chick-fil-A giveaway for you. Paul Feinbaum set to join us at 7. Ken Trahan on the Pelicans and the NBA. Uh, and, of course, your phone call, 694-1055. It's the opening kickoff here on a Thursday edition, wrapping up hour number one next right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, this is Jake Peavy, MLB pitcher and Mobile, Alabama native. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A All right, 6.53, here we are, wrapping up hour number one. What do you got for the folks today, Lee Shervanian? We've got Elvis Andrus, uh, infielder with the Chicago White Sox, reached 2,000 career hits this week. He ranks fourth among active players for your Chick-fil-A gift card. Call Nick. 694-1055, and tell them who's number one among active players who's got the most hits these days in Major League Baseball. All right, and while you're doing that, uh, let's you know Paul's coming up at 7, Ken Trahan at 7.30, Jim Nagy at 8 o'clock, and Barrett Salee on uh, SEC and some Braves probably at 8.30, so we got you covered. Uh, reminder, we're on the road tomorrow for our Dr. Christopher Monex championship drive. We're headed to Theodore. Theodore. First time in quite some time. I want to backtrack. You you did a tease about Jim Nagy. Are you is oh, it too early to ask it, you? I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, we, we'll, we'll get to it with Jim. Oh, I wanted to find out now. I didn't want to wait that long. Well, uh, Jim was looking for um, a way to get in touch with uh, Chad Ochocinco. And so he threw a, a tweet out there. Um asking people who knows how to get in touch with him. And he tagged Ocho Cinco, and Ocho Cinco himself um, replied, which I thought was pretty cool. I wish it was that he easy. Said, he, sa- he goes, Jim, I blank and love you, man. I can get in touch with him easily. 
So there it is. Chad Ochocinco and Jim Nagy. He's a big fan of Jim Jim Nagy. So we need to we need to get I need to find out from Jim like where this stands on the whole like friendship. Twitter. You know, there's always that one retweet or that one person that likes your tweet that you're like, oh, I, that's pretty cool. I wonder where that stands. I mean, clearly Jim knows a lot of folks and gets a lot of retweets and a lot of likes. But I'm, I'm curious where that stands. Do you ever do something like that on Twitter? You tried to reach somebody and they just they themselves got back to you? I got a I got a read not not specifically uh you know getting in touch with me. I got retweeted by uh Dame Lillard. It was Dame time. He gave me a retweet. Really? Um what did he say? Oh, we were doing a story on his shoes that dropped and so he just retweeted it. It was like I'm saying it wasn't personal to me, but he saw my tweet, thought enough of the tweet to retweet it. So um, that was that was pretty cool. I used to have a pair of some Damian Lillards back in the day. Do you, do you, have you gotten a famous like or retweet from somebody? That's just one one time. <laughs> I went and found who the lowest rated player on NBA 2K was, and I tried to beg him to give me tickets, and he said he would. It was Alexis Ajinka. He played for the New Orleans Pelicans back in the day. He was like a 58 overall. And like, you got the tickets, fan. You got the tickets. Uh, no, I, I never claimed them. Now, Tay Diggs follows me, but he follows like everybody. The actor like, Tay like Diggs, John Cena's account, huh? John Cena, he does that too. Really? I need to. I need to reach out then. Yeah, I think he follows like three million people. Or yeah, something. it's it's ridiculous, right? Uh, How so can you, you keep track of three million people? You don't. You don't. It it's a it's a sympathy like. Make you feel important. Reach out to your fans. Um, but yeah, those 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 are the highlights. So I don't uh, think I have any famous followers. I think my most famous follower is probably Mark Heim. Woohoo! <laughs> Hang on, let me let me unfollow as we speak. <laughs> uh, did we get a winner? Or are we still working on it? We did. Yeah, Nate is our winner. All right, Nate. Miguel Cabrera, to the surprise of many, still playing. The aging now for the Tigers, but he's over 3,000 hits. So, uh, Nate, come on by and grab your uh, your Chick-fil-A between, what, 8.30 and 4-ish. Four. Uh, and rem- I guess I don't say this nearly enough, but there is a WNSP rule that you're only uh, eligible to win every <laughs> once a month. 30 days or so? Yeah, who keeps track of that here? Do we have a, a bookkeeper that does that? Uh, yeah, that would be a combination of Lori and I. Yes. So, yes. By the way, did you see where your guy LeBron is now a billionaire? Forbes came out with, like, this the, the list. I, I haven't even been able to weed through it all, but he is now a billionaire with a B. Did, did you see that Reggie Bullock, the sh- backup shooting guard for the Mavericks, bought an island in Belize? I saw that. That is building, fabulous. Yeah, he's building a resort on it. Is he still playing? Yeah, he plays for uh, Dallas. Yeah, okay. And he did it for like $2 million. That seems cheap for an island. It, it kind of does. I mean, I, I don't know what kind of amenities were already on the island. I mean, I don't know if it's just this like this barren land. Yeah, just just, just right. land. I'm I mean, guessing you have to put land. electricity and in, in Yeah, I'm guessing it's land, in? and then he's going to go and build himself a resort. I mean, so he has to put in like power lines yeah, and stuff? Power, Yikes. piping. That's one of those deals where it seems like a good deal, and then you get all those hidden costs like power lines 
and and Wi-Fi. So how about this? So how about this? Let's say Reggie Bullock decides to go on Shark Tank, okay, and appeal to his, well, the guy who signs his paychecks, Mark Cuban, who's on that show, says, Mark, I got this wonderful idea. I want to build a resort. I want to get you as an investor. Yeah. What do you think Mark would do? Okay, Reggie, you're my player. Anything you want. Well, I think he's probably already an investor since he's paying his salary. By the way, do you know what he's naming said island? Isn't it Bullock Island? Yeah, he really went out there and got creative with it. (laughs) It's like in Varsity Blues when he says, you want to see Tweeter's end zone dance? You know what I'm calling it? The Tweeter end zone dance. Again, another reference where Nick is too young and Lee didn't see. Lee doesn't care. Lee doesn't care. Well, there's a lot of that. I'm with Lee on that one. If you saw the movie, you'd you'd appreciate the reference. Paul Feinbaum is next. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com the latest sports news traffic weather and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian the opening kickoff kickoff here are Mark and Lee It's the opening kickoff, Mark and Lee, on this Thursday. Thanks for hanging with us. We're in the studios of WNSP. So, Mark, as the uh, Masters is about ready to tee off uh, round one today, leading us up to the Augusta National Course on Sunday with the final round. Uh, Mike Weir and Kevin Nea are scheduled to go first, and we'll try to keep you posted on scores. With that in mind, our top story is the Masters, and our top guest at 7 o'clock, Paul Feinbaum from ESPN Radio and the SEC Network. And, Paul, welcome nope. to the show. He's and still working on it. it oh, I like. see. Okay. Uh, I'm ahead of the game. I'm, you are I'm too you anxious. Are, you Well, yes. Sorry. Uh, I can tell you yesterday, as we were talking about in the first hour, that Tom Hogue won the par three course. Uh, there were a lot of aces. Caused a lot of, uh, well, excitement, let's say. Uh, he Bubba Watson, by the way, was second. He was one shot. And again, before you get too excited, as we've pointed out many times, whoever wins the par three never wins the Masters for that particular year. So today, uh, for those who like and would like to see Tiger Woods, uh, it's around 9.18, I think, that he will tee off. Uh, let's get to Paul Feinbaum and Paul, I want to welcome you to the show on Masters Weekend. Good morning and Easter weekend. How are you doing today? Doing great, Lee. Uh, good morning. How are you? Good. I think I asked you this question last year. We might as well follow up this year. Your favorite Masters moment, whether you were attending in person or just as a observer back at your house. Yeah, it probably wasn't one that I covered, but it was it was uh, it was uh, it was Nicholas, I think, in '86. And I, th- I think it sounds funny now to say this, Lee, that we all watched Nicholas win at 46 and, and thought, man, this old guy pulling it off, and Tiger's 47, and some people think he can still win. <laughs> Did you? I know you've covered the Masters. I recall you saying that. 
is is it is covering the Masters as a reporter any different than any other, let's say, PGA event? Yes. Uh, the first time I covered it, I, I really believed that you were supposed to cover it. What does that mean? That means like you follow every shot. So I went out there on Sunday uh, following the leaders, and then it changed, and then I ran over to another hole, and I got back and told an old veteran this when I got to the, the uh, club to the media room. And he just started laughing. He said, you cover the Masters sitting right here watching it on TV. And I, I learned a lot that day because it, it's too big and it's too difficult. Lee, if you cover uh, a lot of regular PGA tournaments or even uh, some of the majors, the media is allowed inside the ropes. They are not at the Masters. So you are just one of the, the fans trying to, trying to, get, to, to get a view. But I, I covered it for about 15 years, and I will say it's it's one of the more amazing things. That when you get, as soon as you walk in the gate right off of Washington Road, you start talking like Jim Nance. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, it, and you, instead of saying fans, you use the word patrons. Instead of I mean, you start talking about the azalea, uh, the azaleas, and the dogwoods, and you, know, you turn that famous tur- right turn at the 10th hole to Amen Corner. And it, it, the funniest thing about it, and I'll say this now that I don't cover it anymore, you realize how utterly ridiculous it is when, when, you're, not, when you're not there because it, it is a world that you, you go into that bubble and you think everybody in the world is paying attention. I'm not trying to say we're not. It is a big sporting event. But it's not quite as important outside the gates of Augusta as it is inside the gates. Paul, one of my favorite stories you told, and it might have been that same that same Masters you covered, that first one where you were running around, was where you went to step in for a bite to eat, and about halfway through that meal, you realized that maybe you were not in the place you were supposed to be. Yeah, so uh, I didn't know anything. Um, so I got there, and I figured, you know, you, you, you cover an event, you go eat. Um, and I saw... A bunch of tables, so I sat down. Guy came and got my order, whatever it was. Uh, and I, I had a visor on and sunglasses. And you have to remember, <laughs> I was in my—I was in my, let's see, my 30s at the time. So, I mean, you put a visor on me in my 30s, and I look like a golfer, okay? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you uh, looked the part. It wasn't a big deal. And. He brought the check, and by that point, I noticed everybody else was around, and he said, uh, do you want to sign for it? I go, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, at that moment, I realized I was in the player's lounge. <laughs> and so I scribbled, I don't know, Jack Nicholas. I, I didn't know what I put on there. I got out of there so fast. And, and I will tell you this. Uh, I was scared to death for the next couple of days that I was going to get turned in and every time one of those green jacket guys, and every Masters <laughs> member, uh, excuse me, every Augusta National member, they don't call it. The Masters is hardly ever used over there. It's Augusta National. That's the word. Uh, every time one of these Augusta members walked by me, I thought he was going to call me into a room and, and, and rescind my, my, uh, my press badge. Because you just don't co- Back then, I, I, I covered it at the newspaper, Mark, only after the guy who had previously covered it died. I mean, you just didn't say, I'm going to the Masters. Um, and it was a big honor to get. Uh, it may, I, I later uh, learned a lot more about it, but I won't, I won't tell you all those stories. But uh, it, it is a fascinating thing. The, the thing that was, that's great about it is that 
you can literally walk. Uh, what well, you can go in the, in the clubhouse. You can walk around. Uh, you see everything. I mean, you literally. I'll tell you one story that, that's one of my favorites. Uh, a, a, a guy, an older member, I mean, he was like 90-something years old, and he was in a wheelchair, and I think he, had, he even had oxygen. And a couple of other members were, were, were around him. And all of a sudden, Jack Nicholas walked in. I mean, this is probably 25 years ago. And I don't need to explain Jack Nicholas 25 years ago. was was still, this was before Tiger started showing up. And... Nicholas walked up to the guy, he bent down and said, hello, Mr. Smith, you know, it's a pleasure to see you again, blah, blah, blah. And Nicholas walked away, and this old guy whispered to his, uh, to his butler, that he had a butler with him, he said, what was that fellow's name again? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, I mean, I just like, oh, my goodness. I mean, the things you see there are truly remarkable. And the people. You know, Paul, it's funny you bring that up. And the, I haven't covered that many golf tournaments in my career, but the ones I did, I stayed in the tent and covered. I never walked the grounds, never. I just figured there's just no way. Because I, I had to do, like, hourly reports or half-hour reports, so it would be impossible. Sure. So I just stayed in the tent, never left. Um, let's switch gears. Uh, I was so happy to see Hugh Freeze come out and say, look, I wouldn't mind playing another team on my sp- the spring football game. And then we had a couple of other coaches in this state. Do you think we'll ever get there? No, I don't, because there's just no reason for it. Uh, these things are used by the – this is no longer a game where maybe 25 years ago as a fan you went and said, oh, I'm pulling for the blue today. Uh, you know, uh, the coaches have a specific plan, and, and I think coaches even even more so worry about what other other teams are seeing. So I remember I was on a plane once many years ago with Nick Saban. I was spending the day with him, and he was literally going over Auburn's spring game on the plane. Now, he wasn't looking for – he was just looking for tendencies. He was looking for something that really mattered. And I think all coaches now are so suspicious that they don't want to give anything away. And I always caution fans, don't – don't read too much into these games because I, I, it's a great opportunity to take your kids, take your grandkids, and, and everybody thinks they're seeing something, but I don't think you really are. You're seeing exactly what the coaches want. As a result, they, I think putting players in real positions uh, in live drills will only expose tendencies that coaches don't want anybody to see. So you, I want to get back to what you were saying. So you covered Nick Saban for a full day, and you were flying where? Yeah, it was uh, for ESPN. Uh, it was about, eight, about I think it was uh, about eight years ago. I was doing the profile of him for Outside the Line. So I I flew to I met him in Tuscaloosa at like five thirty in the morning, and he was going up to uh, Connecticut to spend the day. The uh, this was back before the season. The coaches would go up there to ESPN and you know go through the car wash and yeah. beyond. So I I flew with him up there. Spent all day with him and then uh, flew back with him. Uh, so that was it. Was uh, it was quite a long day. Paul Feinbaum's our guest here on WNSP. Follow him on Twitter at Feinbaum. We talked a little bit about it earlier. Speaking of college football, so Georgia is is spending more than anybody in recruiting. And my whole point is, if if you if you're holding the if you're lifting the trophy at the end of the year, it really doesn't matter how much you're paying. Uh, you're getting your money's worth. 
Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting that uh, Alabama seemed to be getting a better return on investment uh, than Georgia. But, uh, uh, but yeah, you don't know though because th- what, this was for the uh, what, this was from the most recent recruiting year. Is that correct? Um, so they actually dating back to 2017. Oh, okay. So uh, they, they did get their money's worth then. I mean, ultimately. Those dollars sound like a lot to us, but those are probably some of the most important costs schools have now because, uh, you know, where is that money coming from? It's primarily coming from entertainment. It's coming from travel. Yeah. I mean, I remember, uh, Lee, when you and I were uh, in our infancy, coaches literally, uh, I mean, they drove to go see recruits. They flew commercial. Uh, now every every everyone outside of, like, Mobile uh, and, and within 100 miles is, is taking private planes. So it's very, very expensive, especially – when uh, you go cross country. Uh, quickly, I wanted to switch gears. What's been the reaction from you? We've had a lot of reaction to the LSU-Iowa women's basketball game on this show, uh, and even more so with Angel Reese and her, um, her, her comments about not going to the White House and not forgiving Joe Biden, not, not accepting the <laughs> apology. What, uh, what, what, What's what's the temperature of the room there in, in, in Feinbaum land? It's been, it's been a, it's been a hot topic. Uh, it's also uh, primarily uh, pro uh, Angel Reese. Uh, I, I think most have said it's just part of the game. Now you know we, we obviously get calls from around the country. Uh, we had a call or two from Iowa who didn't think much of it. And, and I, I think the one thing that. I think her response uh, has clouded the issue a little bit. Uh, but, again, I think most people accept we're talking about young people here who are dealing in a different world than, 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 than their predecessors. And I don't know. I mean, but, but I think what Jill Biden initially said was just flat-out stupid. <laughs> uh, and, and I think it was insulting. And I think the media heard that. And the, the media has, has, has zeroed in on Joe Biden and primarily the reaction, the negative reaction to what Angel Reese said. And that was primarily Dave Portnoy and Keith Oberman. And that's really how the yeah. story has been framed. Yeah. So does she, when she says that, is she saying, I'm not going to the White House or the basketball team is not going to the White House? Oh. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I think the basketball team should go to the White House. Uh, and, and I say that not from any reason other than uh, most people have never been to the yeah, White House. Yeah, it's before. the White it's House. It's a very cool yeah. thing. <laughs> it's, uh, and especially when you're honored. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a memory that I think uh, will last a very long time in your life. Not only that, but you don't have to stand online for an hour or two. Well, that's true. Well, there are, there are ways of getting around that. Lee. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you off the air. Please, yeah, yeah, I'd like to know that. Paul, always a pleasure. Uh, I just need to warn you, it's Masters Week, so be careful where you have lunch, sir. <laughs> I'll, I'll charge it to you. Yeah, yeah, just 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 put it on the Heim account. That's it's it's fine. Hey, uh, have a, have <laughs> a great weekend, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. That's Paul Feinbaum, ladies and gentlemen. We we hit a couple. Of, we had a bunch of different topics there: golf, football, basketball. All right, uh, scoreboard traffic and weather are next. You guys can jump in at uh, 694-1055. Generally, guys will say in the NFL that they'll, uh, they're not willing to back anybody up. They want to be a starter. Every once in a while, they say they'd be willing to be a, uh, a backup. I think this is the first time in history a guy has said, I'll be a backup, but only to very specific people. 
puzzling to me. We will discuss next right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff. Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5. Young at the plate, and he'll lift this one out to right field. Santander going back at the wall. Gone! All right, 725. We got a, a, a few minutes here if you want to jump in at 694-1055. Before we, we, uh, we went to break, I was explaining that I can't think of another time. Either, either quarterbacks say, yeah, I can't be a backup and help, blah, 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 or I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm better than these guys. I don't want to be a backup. Well, Cam Newton comes out now and saying, I could be a backup, but there are only very specific guys that he's willing to back up. What? Well, first of all, Mark, if you're 32 years old and you didn't play last year and you want to get back in the NFL, I think that's the route to go. Just to tell general managers or administrators, yeah, I'll come in and I'll be a backup. He may not feel that way. I mean, if he, he's the competitor, if he is, let's say, signed to a contract, I truly believe he's coming in with the thought process of being a starter. But on the surface and the narrative, yeah, I'll be a backup. I'll, I'm okay. Uh, just bring me in. And uh, you know, and let's face it, in, in this day and age of the NFL with all the injuries, backups get to play as starters anyway. So to specify, though, that's unusual to specify which teams or which quarterbacks he would back up. And I was surprised to see Bryce Young because what Cam has been saying is Bryce Young doesn't have one minute of NFL experience wherever he goes though I'm okay with backing him up uh now four of the quarterbacks that he named uh played in the seven on seven youth programs sponsored by Newton so that's one of his reasons I'm assuming but uh that would be Deshaun Watson Justin Fields Malik Willis and Sam Howell who are the other quarterbacks? Didn't he mention some others? Lamar though? Jackson, Tua, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, and Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so Bryce Young and Tua were on two on his list. I'm Here's my belief that he'll go anywhere he can. And he will go in there with the mindset, without maybe saying it, of being a starter. Yeah. And if things don't work out, and if you remember that when he went to New England, that was one of the issues that New England, they were reluctant in a sense, because they didn't, they didn't know if he could accept being a starter. And when they, when they finally cut him, I think it was because they felt he's, he's not going to be happy as a, as a backup. Well, he is, he's saying there's that, that narrative is not true. In fact, he, he went third person. The quote is, there's a narrative out there that says Cam doesn't want to be a backup. <laughs> I never said I didn't want to be a backup, so I'm going to take this time to explain who and what situation I would, I would want to be a backup to and for. Um, he also said there were three quarterbacks that rookie quarterbacks that he would love to quote, enjoy to groom. Okay. Pause. And what I mean by that is there's a lot that goes into the most important position in all sports. Those guys are CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson. And if, and I'm glad he put Richardson in there because there's no way in anybody's mind that he feels he takes a back seat to Anthony Richardson. 
Wasn't Cam Newton in that video saying, who are these 32 randoms? Wasn't that what he was saying in that video at his at the pro day? Well, he said that he's better than a lot of the quarterbacks. He did say that there aren't 32 quarterbacks better than I am. But now he's, I guess, changing his tune a little bit. A little bit. Only to contract. Um, right, only to get a contract. It's not going to happen. All right. It's happening. I still, I'm still hung up on the third person. Are you still hung up on the grooming? No, I'm, 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 I've, I've tried to have that erased from my memory. All right, 729. We come back. Ken Trahan talks. So the pass came into work. There's no question. Brandon going to the rack. Sets it up. How about her? Got it! One-point game. Huge place. But you know what the Pels are doing? All right, 732. A little NBA action coming up here in just a minute. Uh, we're efforting. Want to let you know, Matthew McLean, uh, I'll give you an update here. We'll do this throughout the course of the rest of our show. One under through one is in the lead. Obviously, it's very early. There are only five on the course. Mike Weir is even through two. Scott Stallings uh, even through one. Kevin Knott plus one through two. And VJ Singh plus one through one. It looks like Freddie Couples getting ready to uh, to go off here in just a little bit. So we will uh, keep you updated throughout the course of our show today here on WNSP. Yeah, you heard the audio. Herb Jones had a career night for the Pelicans. They went uh, overtime to beat Memphis. They were down by 19. And the Alabama alum, better known for defense, kind of a do-it-all type of player. You know, you, you rebound, you play defense, you take charges, but never really a scoring threat. What with McCullum on the team and at times, although not recently, uh, you know, Williamson and, of course, Ingram, you know, being the other scoring threat. And Herb had 35 points last night. Incredible performance for him. Uh, by the way, speaking of incredible, I was thinking it was going to be an incredible night, uh, and it wasn't a bad one for Russell Westbrook. So a lot being made, Clippers, Lakers, Lakers, you know, LeBron talking about the they got, they got bit by the scheduling bug. I had to log a lot of minutes the night before, but Westbrook came out hot as a firecracker. I don't know how much of that game you guys saw, but uh, interestingly enough, they compared his stats with the Clippers versus when he was with the Lakers. Relatively the same. I mean, they're base. They were basically the same, but that dude came out firing and. He he was he was hot early. You know, you talk about streaks as we do with winning streaks, losing streaks. But how about this? The Clippers have beaten the Lakers now eleven yeah. straight. Try that on for size. Eleven straight. Interesting story about the Atlanta Hawks with their win yesterday. And Nick, I'm sure you're very well aware of this. That for the entire year, most of the year, they would either be one game over 500, one game under 500, but never a separation of two. Until last night when they won, which puts them, I think, two games over 500. And it's like you talk about win one, lose one, win one, lose one, which has been pretty much the mantra for the Hawks as they get ready for the playoffs next week. All right, so you guys can jump in. Uh, a little NBA action. We're talking some Masters as well. And, of course, Georgia and their recruiting budget. You guys can uh, you guys can jump in there at 694-1055. Um, also, uh, the three point, three point. Listen to me. The par three contest, Nick, yesterday. How, how? Even the most anti golf. 
What's the opposite of a fan? You, even you got to tip your cap, man. They were dropping aces all over the place yesterday. One had back-to-back aces. It's like Steph hitting one from three-quarters court twice in a row. Man, back-to-back aces. Last time I saw back-to-back aces, I was in Biloxi at the blackjack table. (laughs) (laughs) How many times did you get carded before you saw that? Uh, Once. Yeah. You know, right when you walk in the door. Huh. But no, look, talking about that Lakers game last night, man. The Lakers went into the game with this game plan. Let Westbrook shoot. They were thinking he'd get caught up in his own head, try to be a big dog, be caught up in that revenge storyline. But man, Westbrook, he stepped up to the plate and he hit it out the park. Hmm. Um, so you took a call offline, uh, off the air, about the Cam Newton situation. Um, yeah, they got, want got some people kind of questioning what you're saying there. People or person? Person with a crowd of people with them. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I uh, I've uh, misrepresented the the story. Yeah. And you have a reputation for doing that. I, I oh do I? <laughs> My I have a rep. It's awesome. Um, we could see if we could pull the pull the the audio. I guess um, here's the direct quote from his YouTube channel. There's a narrative out there that says Cam that says Cam doesn't want to be a backup. I never said I didn't want to be a backup. So I'm going to take this time to explain who and what situation I would want to be a backup to and for. Did I misrepresent that somehow? Uh, the caller was really hung up on that you used the word only. They specifically spelled out O-N-L-Y only. They didn't see that word used. So one my the one word out of the 300 I used misrepresented the story? I mean, it is an important word. Only? If I say I eat pizza, and then if I say I only eat pizza, it really changes the <laughs> sentence. <laughs> okay, we will. We will. Uh, I, I should I apologize? How, how does that work? I apologize if I misrepresented the story about Cam Newton. I don't know. You're kind of and coming only off a little smug now. What do you think, Lee? Wait, do you think I'm coming off as smug? Yes. Are you just saying that to disagree, just to no. give me a hard time? No, I'm just. I can. I can look at you from your facial reaction. Yeah, it's the You're body tr- language. It's, it's body, the body language, language yeah. on radio. I have look, bad I body language for radio. I didn't want you brought me into it. I wasn't going to say it, but yeah, uh, I will agree with that. Just looking at you and your body language, definitely you're coming off as smug, I'm, and you're just trying to put the caller down. I mean, yeah. when, when someone is apologizing, and, and while they're apologizing, they've got this giant toothy grin. You know, let's go back. I'm just happy to be here. When's guys? the last time you ever apologized on the station? Never. I've never apologized. Not that I remember. That's using the word never is kind of like using the That's, word only. That is That's true. true. That's that very true. true. But tell me when you have. I don't remember if you ever have apologized for anything you've ever said. Even if you put somebody down, even if you said, you know, you, you had a knee-jerk reaction to somebody being indicted or this and that, and then three weeks later we find out charges were dropped. So what I need to like come back and apologize? I'm you can do anything you want. I would never tell you what to do. I'm just saying, when have you ever apologized? I've apologized plenty of times. Let's hear one example. 
a that, genuine apology. A genuine I, I mean, apology. genuine, not just some random like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that you took it. The, I'm sorry you took it the wrong way. <laughs> or uh, I'm sorry. Uh, look, it it the report was this. I'm just following that. No. Well, now if I apologize for not apologizing, then you all will say that the apology is not genuine. <laughs> In the app, Trump apologizes more than Mark. <laughs> what? <laughs> now that boy to get. I'm not going there. If, if, well, he, according to you, that would be accurate since I never apologized. So if Donald Trump apologized, when just did he once, ever apologize? I don't know. Uh, in the app, Mark, you're a hater, bro. Strong, strong, that is, that is strong. Yeah, strong, strong. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to apologize now because it just you all won't find it genuine. Nope. I'll have to find a time where I can catch you off guard with a genuine apology. Yeah, maybe tonight around 6 o'clock. All right, look, let, let's let Mark off the hook. Why, why don't we talk to Ken about some New Orleans Pelicans basketball, yeah? yeah. I like oh, basketball. S- saved by the bell, or in this case, Ken. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Kenny Trahan with Crescent City Sports. Kenny, good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. Just finishing up my own gig, and I'm ready to go, guys. All Thank right, you. Ken, let me be the first to apologize to you for, for keeping you waiting. That was not our intent. My my deepest... Stop it. We're, <laughs> we're good. You, got, you guys, you dive drive can continue as far as I'm concerned, so it's all good. Yeah. Herb Jones, 35 points. I, I want to wrap my head around that. How did that happen? Real simple. I mean, teams are blitzing Brandon Ingram on a consistent basis uh, off of pick and rolls. And, of course, when he catches the ball, uh, teams are putting their best defenders on him. And they're, they're rotating a second guy and just leaning the floor toward him every single time. This is what we've seen for the last three or four games against the Pelicans. With that in mind, if you're spacing correctly, uh, Herb Jones is especially efficient out of the corner. And he's just made himself a better shooter. You guys know him pretty well. He's always been an elite defender. He's a great team guy. And uh, he's a glue guy for any team, as he was at Alabama, and he certainly is that here. So, look, he has improved his shot. you got to give him credit. He's worked extremely hard on that because if you're in the NBA, you've got to be able to shoot the ball. I mean, you have to be able to shoot the ball because coaches are too good and players are too good, and they're going to understand what you can do and cannot do. And they're going to give you space, and once you start knocking shots down, they're going to have to play you, and that's going to open things up for others. So, Look, Herb Jones has been a great get for this franchise. To be able to get him where they got him was outstanding. And last night, of course, was a career high for Herb. And everybody loves him here because he's just an unassuming guy, and he plays so hard, and he's such a good defensive player, and he's unselfish. But we like when he's selfish a little bit, like last night. You know, catch and shoot, he did, and you see the result. Kenny, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on this morning, is Zion coming back for the postseason? I mean, I thought I had read where he was practicing and ready to come back. I don't see his name. Is he going to be a factor in postseason? Well, it's a possibility. I mean, look, he's he's been working. Uh, he's, he's done a little three-on-three work, which is a real big step toward being able to play. So, look, it looks like the Pelicans you know, have a shot to actually get in the playoffs, not just the play-in. They're in the play-in now, but they have a chance to get in the playoffs. If they win these last two games, there's a really good chance they're going to avoid the play-in and get to at least the six spot. So with that in mind, they've got to win. And do you try to insert him in a situation like that and disrupt what you have? If they get to that last game and they know exactly where they're going to be or that they can't make the tournament, then I think maybe they put him out there in the final game of Minnesota Sunday just to get his legs under him and get him indoctrinated a little bit for the postseason. But it looks like that game's going to mean something. So they're going to have to play 
that game. And, you know, you're looking at the standings right now. The Pelicans are in a tie for seventh with the Lakers at 41-39. They would lose a tiebreaker with the Lakers because the Lakers won the season series. But then you look at the sixth spot, which is the spot you need to get to to avoid the play-in. And they're only a game out of that spot. Right now, Golden State and the Clippers are tied for six. Well, the Pelicans won the season series with both of those teams. So if they end up in a tie with either one or both, the Pelicans win the tiebreaker. So they're in that mix to be anywhere at this point, uh, you know, realistically from, from nine to six. So it's really a, a, a complex issue as to whether you put him out there. Now, if you get to the play-in in postseason, sure. If he's good to go, you give him a go and see what happens. Clearly, you're a better team with him. I mean, there's no question about that. But there's chemistry issues and who comes out and, you know, where the minutes go. But I will say this, their bench play has been lacking uh, recently. I mean, they're just not getting much out of anybody outside of Josh Richardson and Larry Nance. Najee Marshall has not really contributed much. Dyson Daniels is not a scorer. He's done some good things off the bench but can't score. And not only don't have Zion Williamson, they don't have Jose Alvarado, who is their spark off the bench. So, yes, I do think if he can play, they will put him in there, whether it's Sunday in the finale or in the play-in round. Hey, uh, quickly, before we let you go, uh, we have a caller or a listener wanting to know when are they going to cut ties with Zion? He keeps keep taking up a, a roster spot. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. Uh, that's a sentiment that a lot of people have here. Look, I think it's not unlike the Saints situation with Michael Thomas. And the Saints just signed Thomas to a one-year deal. It's a put-up-or-shut-up year in that regard. Uh, Michael Thomas is a terrific wide receiver, but you know, he's played in nine games since 2020. Zion Williamson has missed many more games than he's played since he's been in the league. And it's a perpetual problem. He's a great kid. Everybody yeah. likes him. Yeah. And he's an elite player, an unbelievable talent. But, you know, when you're talking about going into five years in the league and you're not available for more than half the games uh, and you're investing that kind of money, that's a real problem. So I think next season will be the, you know, the, the put up or shut up season. You know, look, you don't just want to throw a guy away, but if you get to the point where you're five seasons in and you see the lack of availability, you got to make a decision there. So, yeah, I do think next season will really tell us everything we need to know. Great stuff, man. We really appreciate you uh, dropping in. We'll, uh, we'll we'll catch up again real soon. Look forward to it, guys. Thank you so much. Happy Easter, too. That's uh, Ken Trahan, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, quickly want to remind you guys that if, you, uh, if you're if you getting close to that retirement age, if you're new to the area and you need some in information about Medicare, uh, you need to call our guy Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors. So Medicare Insurance Advisors was founded in 2012. The focus on being a community resource for, for those that are, are getting to the age of medic, uh, that they need Medicare. They wanted to be different from any other agency, so they provide a customer experience for their clients in the community. Their process is centered around providing education and long-term support, not just a one-time enrollment meeting. And that's what Aiden Marks provides for you. He's not selling you uh, Medicare. He's offering you the information and helping you navigate those waters to make the best decision for you and your family he's local he's knowledgeable and yes a physical location go check it out highway 98 across from terry thompson chevrolet and daphne you can go see him he can go to you and oh yeah did i mention not a fee for his services call aiden marks of medicare insurance advisors today 463-0031 that's 463-0031 when we come back, uh, we'll see if we can catch up with Rick True. Jim Nagy at 8 o'clock. Barrett Salee at 
continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff, Mark and Lee. And, of course, Nick, right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hey, this is Stuart Fink from the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio in Mobile. Hey, Matthew McLean, the amateur, minus one through two. Mike Weir is now through four and is even. A bunch of guys at even. There's only about a handful of guys on the course at Augusta, but we will keep you updated on that throughout the course of our morning today. I bet John Ricchetti is rooting for Mike Weir, Canadian. Like to see him do well, I'm sure. Are you are you cheering for Russell Henley? No. I mean, he's he's from the United States. No, I'm not. Well, there's a whole bunch from the United States. He he wouldn't be the one. I don't know much about him. Who are you cheering for? I mean, I see at least three three Canadians here. Who are the others? The Canadians? Yeah. Who do you got there? You got Weir? Adams. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes. All right. And um, I didn't realize there were that many. In well, there you go. I'm just saying it's it's a sport like none other. Well, Johnny's been on the air many times. Uh, not lately. Corey Connors is from Canada. He's okay. in, the, in the line up there. Well, you know who I'm cheering for right now? Rick True. Bachelor Service. Our team of the day is Bachelor Service. And uh, Rick and I had a conversation yesterday and there's some. Things going on now with Bachelor Service, I think we let the public know about. Rick, good morning. How are you today? I'm well, Lee. How are you guys? Pretty good. So you guys are, uh, you got some things going on, which I think are fascinating and, and, and great stuff and has to do with charities. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, we uh, we introduced uh, something Monday. It's called Bachelor's Gives Back. And what we're doing is we have chosen three charities, the Penelope House, Wilmer Hall and the Child Advocacy Center, and people can go on our website and they they can vote for either their favorite charity of those threes, and uh, they can vote. Uh, they can each person can vote once a day, and it's going to end on June the second. The charity that has the most votes will get a check from Bachelors for $1,500. The second place will get $1,000. And the third place will get $500. So there will be no losers in this contest. And it's just something we want to do to for the community and uh, thank the community for everything they've done for Bachelors. Rick, that's that's great news. It really is. So how long, will, how long is this? Again, repeat, how long is this going to go on that you can vote? It's going to go until June the second, and they can go on our website to vote. And uh, our website is www.bachelors, B-A-T-C-H-E-L-O-R-S service, S-E-R-V-I-C-E. So that's got two S's in the middle. Dot com. And then after, and, uh, there's a place on there. It's a bachelors give back. And it just says click to vote here, and then you can go vote for whichever one of your charities. Uh, that you're supporting. You know, Rick, when this gets all said and done, we should come out there and we should do a WNSP's bachelor party at bachelor's uh, at the bachelor's pad. What do you think? I think it's a marketing bonanza here. 
I'm all, I'm all for a party. <laughs> and that's why we like you, Rick. That's right. Y'all 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 put on good parties. I know when when Lee comes here for our uh, remotes, we always have fun and I, Mark, I know you're you're you got to be way more fun than Lee. Well, <laughs> you said it, not me, but I'm not going to disagree with you. How about that? <laughs> I don't know if it's late, we have we have to give Lee a Red Bull or something to keep him awake probably. He's allergic to caffeine, I think. He he will not do it. Uh, he, he will not ingest. Okay. Uh, the nectar of the gods. So I heard y'all talking about Canadians. Who y'all picking for the Masters? <laughs> Lee, I didn't do good on my NCAA pick for sure. So I don't, you know, Rick. I don't have a dog in the hunt. What I'd like to see, I, I'm, I'm looking for a storyline. I would really like to see at the end on Sunday a PGA and a live golfer in the final twosome coming down the stretch. I, I knew you'd that's, say that. That's what I'm looking forward to. I don't I don't have a dog in the hunt as far as I don't care who wins. I just hope it's close. Well, I hope all the live golfers uh, miss the cut, so I'm not with you. <laughs> that would be quite a story, too. Yeah, maybe Greg Norman wouldn't talk so much then. Well, he's not talking at the Masters because they didn't invite him. No, he's not there. They wouldn't let him come. But, you know, the funny thing, what if he had won a Masters? Then he'd have to be. He'd be there, right? Oh, yeah, he would be. Yeah, oh, yeah, he would be, He would have an invitation to play. But, but see, they also get, of course, you know, being in press, you get, get to go to all kinds of stuff free. So they get, get stuff to to uh, you know, dignitaries and stuff and golf. And, they, and the time that I went there and uh watched i saw him there uh, but that, they, they don't even allow him on the property now how about that well rick i appreciate you coming aboard we'll probably check in with you next week to update us on the poll is going with the charities okay yeah i really appreciate y'all uh let, letting us promote that that uh it, it really means something to us to be able to do that and we appreciate you. you coming on as our team of the day that's Rick True from oh. Bachelor Service. Mark, have you? We we had the conversation with Paul. Have you ever covered a golf tournament before? I'm, I'm assuming you have, being in the business that you are. Because I found it strange when Paul said it, and he's not the only one that go, that media members they will go out on the course, but it's difficult with obviously 18 holes. See, when I covered, I just sat in the tent, just took notes because I had to do updated reports every half hour. Did you ever get out there? I've never covered a golf event, event, but I think what people are finding out now is you really don't have to be in a, at any event to cover it. Um, but golf, that's the biggest, that's the biggest misconception about golf uh, and golf writers. Golf writers have it easy, uh, c- comparatively speaking. They, because I've I've worked with guys that cover golf. They don't actually cover anything. They do what we do. They sit in front of the TV. Except they get a free meal and they're right there, and then they can go right next door to the press conference and listen to what they say. Uh, that's the part I don't. Okay, I'm going to be upfront about this on, on golf. When you go in there to a press conference after they're done, right? Yeah. And you have to listen to a golfer explain all 18 holes. You lost me. They there. I have actually been at press conference, and I, I just leave. Well, on the first hole, I did this and this. On the second hole. I, so I did this and this. If you're covering golf, but you don't stay for the press conference, what do you? Covering? Well, I told you what I, I I was doing reports, updating leader leaderboard reports. So why did you have to be there in order to do it? You could get the leader. Oh, this was years ago before the advent absolutely. Of, yeah, you know, right. This Google. was back in the 80s and 70s. Uh, oh yeah, I guess you had to be. But there. if you, I, 
<laughs> excuse me. But the reason I was asking you because covering a uh, afterwards, I don't mind talking to a golfer, and I have, you know, and just finding out bits and pieces. But to listen to them go through eighteen holes. Ouch. It's kind of like LeBron saying, you know, recapping the game, though. Like, you know, he's got He doesn't recap every minute. But he can. That's the thing. Like, he, you know, like he'll cite. You remember, it, it was one, once or twice he did it went viral where he just started, like, giving, like, really specific details about the way the game played out, like, play by play. It was like, dude's got, he's like the rain man of, of, of the NBA. He's got, like, this photographic memory in terms of, like, Cataloging the game. And the seventh hole, I lost my golf ball. Uh, how to get a new one? On the eighth hole, I hey, hit it. Come on, Lee. It's Masters Week. Hit yeah, it about. You're so critical, Lee. No, I'm not. I'm just you telling you. Apologize. Where my golf fans? I apologize. I'm Let's working with on. Mark today. I saw his face. He doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean <laughs> That's it. Right. He's grinning. He's grinning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our. Uh, Hour number two is in the books. Jim Nagy's next. I got some very specific questions for Jim Nagy, and it has probably absolutely nothing to do with football, which is kind of... And I'm not apologizing for it, people. Stay with us. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shervanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. All right, hour number three. It's 8.04. Thanks for hanging with us uh, here on a uh, opening kickoff. We uh, always appreciate you guys hanging with us. Want to let you know uh, the latest scores here. Uh, McLean, the amateur, still uh, one under through three. Mike Weir is now uh, even along with a whole bunch, but he's through five. He looks like he's the furthest along. Um, VJ Singh, uh, plus one through three. Uh, couples is even through one. Um, so we'll keep an eye on things as we, uh, I'm looking for guys. Sergio looks like he's going to go off here in about 10 minutes. So we'll get you some updates throughout the course of hour number three. Uh, Do you remember when um, couples as it goes back a ways was in the running and Jim Nance, of course, doing, you know, the, the lead announcer and he, I think they were teammates when they were at Houston, university of Houston. And, you could just Jim had, you know, obviously has to be, you know, not bipartisan. You know, he has to, you know, be there for all the golfers. But you just couldn't help when couples. I think won it that year. How Jim Nance was just so excited about uh, his his former teammate at Houston uh, winning it. So you know, there's that. And you know, again, I I don't. I mean, I would really. Who wouldn't? Really like to see Tiger Woods at the finish, but I just can't see that happening. I mean, I even I just hope he makes the cut. He is still fun to watch, and even at the age of 47, you know what's an amazing thing about him too is the way that he's opened up to the media, and you know what used to be a, a quick hitting soundbite now becomes more of a storyline with him that he's more open and reveals more. 
about him. And, you know, that statement, he said, you know, I, I don't know how many masters I still have left. But, you know, there, look, even Phil Mickelson, he's in there. He's in his, what, late 50s or something or 50s. So I think, uh, you know, there's there's a future for Tiger. I'm not going to say he's going to win it, but I'm just saying I, I think he'll be around for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like uh, I like his chances of being around for a while. But I did I did I did like his line, his comment uh, last uh, last couple of days. He said, I, "I recognize more guys on the senior tour than I do on the, the PGA at this point." So I, I do believe uh, he'll be around. But whether or not he can compete, and the, you know, look, I think the idea was he was so good that he was going to push Jack for. For years, and I think Paul made a great point. Here we are, Jack at forty-six. Jack at forty-six, winning. Tiger's here at forty-seven, and it's not even close at this point. Like he's so, but but I still think there's that drive in Tiger. There's still that curiosity by fans. He's still filling galleries. He's 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 the he's the he's kind of he's the goat. I mean, he's the guy that brings him to the to the course. Uh, we'll continue to keep updates uh, on, on the Masters as we continue. Well, the Master of the Senior Bowl is our good friend Jim Nagy, the Executive Director of the Senior Bowl. Jim, good morning. How are you today? I'm good. Good morning, guys. You like major sporting events. You have a dog on the hunt in the Masters this weekend? Oh, man. It's hard to go against uh, Scheffler right now, isn't it? But, uh, no, I don't, I don't pretend to know the golf. But I will be on the couch all weekend. I actually saw we got some rain in the forecast on over the weekend on Saturday, so that sounds like a good day to uh, just stay on the couch and watch the Masters. Absolutely, I want to wish you and your family a very happy Easter, Mark. You want you had a issue? Oh yeah, look, I look. An issue. I, I thought it was cool. So you just throw out this random tweet. Hey man, does anybody know how to get in touch with Ocho Cinco? And not only did you get the information, you got it from the one source you were looking to get, and he and he loves you. That's got to be like the greatest like Twitter interaction in the history of Senior Bowl. Well, it, Twitter Twitter's been a valuable tool. I'll leave it at that. It's been easy. It's been easy. But the crazy thing is, I got I got uh, Chad Johnson's uh, cell phone number. I tracked it down. Um, didn't have it in the past, and we're trying to put him in the Hall of Fame. He got he got elected into the Hall of Fame, and he honestly, had, and this is this is this is the truth. Like I. It was, I think it was my first or second senior bowl I ever came to. Uh, it was like 98, 99, somewhere around in there. And uh, to this day, Chad Johnson's the best receiver I've ever seen in Mobile um, in terms of like the practice week he had. So I was trying to track him down, and I got this number. Um, and after many failed attempts, I said, all right, let's go to Twitter and see what see what happens. The guy's obviously not getting back to me. And, again, you're putting him in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I – I, I, I tell all these guys when I call them, I understand where I, I get what we are. We're not Canton, Ohio, but, um, you know, it's a Hall of Fame, and most people would be honored by it. You wouldn't think, you know, you God wouldn't return your return your text. But, uh, so, yeah, last option was to go to Twitter. And, uh, yeah, he responded last night. So well, we'll see. Hopefully we can get him down here in June. Not only, and I quote, not only does he love you, man, he blanking loves you. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I wish you would have used a little better language, but uh, no, we'll see. We'll see. He'd be a fun guy to get up here. Um, I didn't realize how how active he was on Twitter, and I didn't realize he had like three million followers either. But uh, I mean, the guy posts. I thought I was active on Twitter. That guy posts like every fifteen minutes. Yeah. He's uh, update, updating yeah, what he's doing in his day. So um, if you do follow, you end up following Ocho Cinco. Yeah. Um, 
you're gonna your your feed is your timeline's gonna be it's gonna be caught up with a bunch of his posts. It's it's your third in activity. Chad Johnson is second. Shervanian most most on Twitter I've ever seen. <laughs> at least he's on now. It took him for it took him years, and at least he's on now. You want to take a lie detector test on that one? Yeah. You know what else he's got here, Jim? I don't know if you heard. He's got an iPhone now. Really? Yeah. Breaking news. Okay. Now that's that's breaking news yeah. right there. That's yeah. breaking news. We got rid of the flip phone. Yeah. You got rid of it, and I'm on iPhone, and that's how I get in touch with you, Jim. How does it? Uh, <laughs> the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame is one of my favorite activities to cover. How do do you make the decision, or do you have a committee? How does that work to to induct? Yeah, we have we have a committee. Um, I put together kind of the um, you know the ballot every year, and and we've got a committee that that votes on that. And again, it's like you know you want everyone here in attendance. We're not again, we're not the Pro Football Hall of Fame, so people aren't going to drop everything they're doing just to just to come to Mobile for it. So if we reach out to someone and, the, and it doesn't work. Um, like there's some big names for hopefully next year's class is already set because there was there was there was about three or four guys that uh, the dates just couldn't work this year. So we we understand that it's got to kind of work in their in their schedule and um, but it's a really fun it's a really fun weekend and the guys that have been the last couple of years now that we've kind of anchored it in the summer with the golf tournament um, it's been a blast. It's it's my favorite thing we do all year and uh, and uh, so it's so it's fun. So we're getting ready to announce next next this year's class and hopefully that'll be next week and and i'm thinking out to myself like okay unless you have extenuating circumstances or unless you have let's say an event which you can't get out of who would not want to come down to the grand hotel for a weekend and play golf yeah i know especially i send them the link um to the grand hotel and once they see the property and we, we we have a really cool like minute long 60 second uh kind of highlight video from from last year's event and once they see like the look and feel of the event um i mean it, it's a pretty easy sell i mean most of the guys are and most of them are really excited to get back down here the senior bowl is a big part of their nfl journeys and they you know there, there's a lot of gratitude there um i talked to one of our inductees yesterday and and he was like he's like and he was a top five pick um in the nfl draft and he was like jim if it weren't for the senior bowl like um, I would have never, my career would have never got, you know, off to the start that it did. And I would have, wouldn't have ended up where I ended up and my career might, might not have been the same. So, um, so no, it's, it's always an interesting process, you know, again, trying to track down some of these numbers of these guys, they're not, they're not always, uh, easy to get a hold of. So, uh, obviously Chad Johnson was one of them and we had to revert to Twitter. Jim, we're only weeks away from the draft. And, of course, you know, as everybody says, a lot of the news is fake news. You don't know what's real or not. Let me ask you this. The the narrative that Stroud versus Bryce Young are going to be 1-2, do you see this happening? Either or goes 1, the second goes 2? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. I think, uh, you know, if you got to think about this scenario is – if Bryce goes one, uh, and I think he will, then you're talking about the Houston Texans sitting there at two. And if you just play the agent game, the agent for C.J. Stroud is also the agent for Deshaun Watson. And that stuff got really messy with Deshaun and the Houston Texans. So um, sometimes that can determine a draft pick, um, who the representation is. So that'll be interesting. And, and, and again, I haven't, haven't heard that a lot. You know, I haven't heard it at all in the media. I'm, I'm surprised more people haven't kind of peeled back that 
that onion, but I mean that's a real thing. So so I'd be I'll be real curious if uh, if the Panthers stick at one and take Bryce. What does Houston do? Do they do they take CJ if he's their if he's their next guy up on the board? Or do they just say, you know, we've we've been down that road um, with that particular representation, and, and we don't want to do that again. So that'll be interesting. Uh, but I do, I do think if I I do think Bryce will be the number one overall pick. I really do. I think when you when you've got David Tepper and his wife, um, the owner of Carolina Panthers, traveling, they were traveling with the GM and the head coach and, and going all the pro days. And um, I just think if you're David Tepper and you sat in Nick Saban's office. Uh, and you heard Nick Saban talk about Bryce Young the way I'm sure Nick Saban talked about him. Uh, it's going to be hard uh, hard to persuade the owner to draft anyone but, but Bryce Young. If I read correctly on Jalen Carter, didn't he come out and say, I'm only talking to like the top 10 teams in the draft or so forth? And if that's the way I interpreted it, is that a smart thing to do to limit yourself to just a few teams? Well, um, you know, his agent is Drew Rosenhaus, and Drew came out yesterday, issued a, a statement on Twitter just saying, you know, because he was getting criticized. There was, some, there was some criticism out there that why would you limit yourself to, to those teams, and what if there's a team outside the top ten that would want to trade up um, and, and, and take Jalen Carter? Well, Drew issued a statement yesterday saying that he contacted all the teams outside of the top ten, and none of them seemed interested in trading up so that, that being what it is um we'll see we'll see i mean there's obviously the the stuff that came out about Jalen um in the in the drag racing and uh multiple speeding incidents and the one that led to the you know two lost lives i mean that's that's real stuff and and there's some there's some other stuff there on the football side of things you know the football character side of things from the fall that um that the teams are aware of as well so um Talent wise, he should he should be one of the first couple picks in the draft. Um, I mean, talent wise, there's there's I don't know if there's a, a better player in this draft, but we'll we'll see how it goes. It's kind of roll the dice by Jalen and his Jalen and his people uh, that he'll be a top ten pick. Jim Nagy, our guest here on WNSP. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jim Nagy underscore SB. Chad Ochocinco does. Uh, I want to ask you, so now that Pro Days, you mentioned Pro Days, now that Pro Days are over and all the pre-draft stuff is kind of done, did anything, we talk about the Underwear Olympics and the pros and cons of Pro Day, did, did any athlete in your mind, uh, when you went back and watched these Pro Days, did, did it make you consider going back and revisiting how you would grade them or their their skills or their pros or cons did did any of that impact you because i know you look at so much of that stuff for your game uh did did anything you see when they were on their own turf make you want to go back and reevaluate yeah all the time all the time every year um you know more there, there's multiple occasions every year um even this year you know we we went out to a bunch of pro days uh brought the brought our brought our scouting assistants out to kind of train them and in, in how to do a pro day and, and you know kind of the lay of the land at those at those events and uh, we had one of our players that that really did not look good at his pro day in his position drills it was tough it was tough watching him um didn't look anything look like he looked like on tape didn't look like he looked like during senior bowl week um and so yeah if i were a team i mean <laughs> i didn't do i didn't do it this i didn't do it now because we're not we're not drafting these players so right. it, it's not a big deal but um, I would have I would have gone back after that pro day and, and watched tape and like just check my eyes. Did I see that right? But but yeah, it's, it's, this is this is kind of the last step. Um, you know, helps you check all those boxes. And again, the pro days are pro days. Obviously, you know, the on the field stuff is important. Um, 
but more so than anything, it's just it's another date on the schedule where you can get in front of these players and you know spend more time with them. Because uh, we've talked about it on the show a bunch over the years, is that it's really a short window of time. You're talking about January to April to really learn these guys that you're going to be given. You know, to some of them tens of millions of dollars too. So um, every exposure is, should be a beneficial exposure. So you know, you look at you look at you know Bryce Young for instance. I mean, his his dance card was full, man, from the the day before the pro day through pro day, and, and some teams even hung around the day after uh, just to get some time with him. So um, there's value there. There's certainly value there. But again, I I'm with you. Like the underwear Olympics part of it, um, I think you always got to go back to what they do in, in helmets and shoulder pads. Hey, always fun to catch up with you, man. Tell uh, Ocho Cinco we said hello, and that, and, and then we love you too. All right, guys, enjoy the Masters. All right, man, have a good weekend. That's Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. All right, let's do this. Let's do, uh, let's do traffic and weather here. We'll we'll ditch the scoreboard and we'll get you some master scores when we come back, uh, and then uh, we'll see if we can catch up with Roy Hudson, Barrett Salee at eight thirty as well. The opening kickoff. Continue with your comments in the app at wnsp.com. Uh, back after this. Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney, and you're listening to WNSP one hundred five point five. All right, 824, boys and girls, here on a Thursday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee. Talk to Roy Hudson of Community Bank. Roy, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well, doing well. Masters is kicking off. Eye of the Tiger. Hopefully Tiger has a good uh, a good four days up there. That'd make an incredible story. But uh, nonetheless, that would uh, be a fun tournament to watch. Are you a big fan of the Masters? And by that I mean not just the 18th hole on Sunday, but somebody who's going to watch it throughout the weekend? Uh, you know, I will flip it on and watch uh, parts of it. I've been fortunate enough to go up there uh, a couple times, and it's just a remarkable setting, a remarkable tournament. Probably one of the best ran sporting events uh, that you'd ever go to. And then you know, and then you have the concession stand. You know, the dollar fifty uh, sandwiches are, are remarkable. So it's just it's just a fun time up there. And yes, I will be watching. Did you play it, or you were just a spectator? Oh, just a spectator. Uh, yeah, I think getting on there is probably a little bit above my pay grade. As far as when you were spec, was you actually out there when the the golfers were there during like the four days or were practice rounds? Were you? No, I've actually found that the practice rounds are much better. the 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 crowds get enormous on the weekends, and if you want to be twenty deep and you know see a club head go up or something like that, that's the time to go. But the the uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you can get real uh, close to the uh, the participants and hear them talk and interact with each other. So it's, I enjoy the, the practice rounds much better. You certainly enjoy working for Community Bank. And why, as we talk about the Masters, a tradition like none other, you use that same that, phrase to describe Community Bank. Why? That's right. It's sort of an intersect right now as far as timing. But it's how we approach things. We, one, of our, one of our goals is to take care of, of our employees and by doing that 
we sort of go taking care of them, they'll take care of the customers. And it's just our approach is a little bit different in that regard. And I think that's what sets us apart and makes us a little bit different. And that's where the tagline comes from. So uh, it's just how we approach the uh, deliverance of our products and services to our customers. Appreciate it very much, Roy. We'll check in with you next week. Thank you. I think uh, as I look at the leaderboard, Mark, and I'm sure you are too, if you have Kevin Nay, nah, in your pool or if he's your guy, not off to a good start, may not be around on uh, at the end. Uh, he is plus four. Through, through four. Through, I got him through seven, actually. Yeah, I'll tell uh, you that too. Yeah, that's, uh, that's tough. Matthew McLean, though, is still one under through five. Russell Henley is my, uh, one under through three. Those are your leaders. Um, and this is the day that our guest this morning, uh, Tony Ruggiero, said that the score should be pretty good today because the conditions are the elements out there are conducive to good scores where you're going to see scores maybe falter is when the weather changes tomorrow and Saturday. So if you're according to Tony, your best bet for a good score is today uh, in the app. Bryce will be hurt. Tua will be hurt. Deshaun will be expletive in masseuses. Malik will throw 10 interceptions. Rodgers probably won't play. So, yeah, Cam's got a good plan. Well, we know he's not going to back up Jalen Hurts because they have signed Marcus Mariota. Yeah. So that's out. So Cam's plan Camp says those are guys he'd like to groom, but what he's really saying is he's going someplace where he thinks he can play due to injury or inability to get the job done. Is, is that fair? Is that a well, fair? I know he didn't actually say those what? words, but according to our listener, he's implying that Cam's not going to groom people. He's going because those are his best chances of playing. Best chances of playing because where in any narration – do you get the impression that Cam Newton is going to go and teach somebody to play quarterback? Well, he's that's what he said. Fine. Do you buy into it? He's going to be the guy? He's going to be the one? Even your star quarterbacks are always coming out. Aaron Rodgers, I'm not here to groom my successor. He and says, and I quote, there's three rookie quarterbacks I'd love or enjoy to groom. And what I mean by that is there's a lot that goes into the most important position in all of sports. Who would be some guys I could serve, he said, and then he listed them. <laughs> He's a man of the people. People, listen. He loves everybody. Barrett Slee is next. Stay with us. This one to center. Carlson drifts back. Carlson at the wall. Gone. Three homers already on the year for Matt Olson. 8.32 on a Thursday. Thanks for hanging with us here. It's the opening kickoff. Mark, Lee, and Nicholas over there behind the glass. Yeah, the segment brought to you by Dixie Supply, your metal roofing headquarters in the greater Mobile area. I let off with the Braves because I know Barrett, like myself, a huge Braves fan, and uh, Barrett with CBS Sports writes about the uh, SEC. But, Barrett, I got to tell you, yesterday I'm working out at a health club, and I, another Braves fan and I were talking, and, like, this is after Matt Olson had struck out four times the other day, and I'm like, gosh, I really miss Freddie Freeman, and I still do, but I really shouldn't go there. And then Olson gets a home run and two doubles yesterday. But that's for another day. Good morning, sir. How are you today? 
I'm I'm good. I'm much better after what happened uh, this this week with the sweep to uh, St. Louis. Man, that was that was dominating. And to see Bryce Elder and Dylan Dodd do their thing. Uh, look, I want Max Reed back. I want Kyle Wright back. I want Michael Soroka back. But I mean, that's some that's some starting pitching depth that can be uh, can be huge moving forward. You know, the other thing too, I I usually don't say anything about announcers. But I'm happy for the switch with the TV broadcasters. I don't know how you feel. But the chip carries out at St. Louis. I'm happy with that switch. Yeah, well, I, Chip Carey, even like pop flies to the infield, he made it sound like they were home runs. And uh, <laughs> I like Brandon a lot. Brandon did great things when he was at Georgia Tech. And I had a buddy, actually, who was out in Colorado. And, you know, on, on MLB.tv, they, they give you the home broadcast no matter what it was. And I don't know if you saw, but Austin Riley's home run, I think it was the first game of the series, Chip Carey accidentally called it like it was still the Braves announcer. It was pretty funny. You are so dead on about that. And we, I talked to my son who lives up in the Atlanta area, and he said, at least I don't have to hear about every fly ball to the infield or pop up to the outfield for the Braves being a home run and for the opposition being just an ordinary fly ball. Barry, we wanted to get, get you on to talk about SEC. What, what are so, you know, we're going into some of these spring games now. Some of these teams are completing like Auburn on Saturday. What are some of the storylines growing in the last couple of weeks that you've been following? Yeah, I think with Auburn, you know, wrapping things up on Saturday, it's, I mean, look, it's lazy and kind of obvious to say the quarterback position, but it's the quarterback position just because, you know, we've heard Hugh talk a lot about Holden Griner, and I think, you know, that can go two ways. One, it can be a situation where you talk a quarterback up who might be transferring just to make sure he doesn't transfer or he has a legitimate shot. And, you know, with, with Hugh being a first-year coach, maybe he does have a legitimate shot. So I think that is interesting in and of itself. But then on top of that, I don't think it's any secret that Hugh was dabbling in the portal last window. And the new window opens up soon. And really – I don't know the, if people know the inside story. Hugh had his quarterback. It wasn't that he missed out. It was that the quarterback did some things. I'm not going to say who it is, but did some things that made it impossible for him to get to Auburn. So uh, when that happened, it made it kind of impossible for Hugh to, to scramble and get another guy. So right now, you know, it's, it's up to those three guys that are on campus right now to, to really impress him. And if it's Holden, then – you know, how much work does he have to do? So so there's that. And, you know, for, for a team like Georgia, you know, again, it's pretty easy to say the quarterback competition, but I think they're going to be fine whoever they choose. But it's about wide receivers. They didn't really have one last year. Uh, now, you know, they have Brock Bowers. They've still got some stud running backs who can catch the ball. But they got Dominic Lovett. They got Rara Thomas. You know, what, what happens there? Do, do they find a, a deep threat? Because if they find a deep threat, a consistent deep threat outside, I don't, I don't know how you stop that. So, you know, those are two. And then, you know, I think around the SEC, kind of just what, what, uh, what Billy Napier does, because that offense was just sort of average last year. And I'm not buying into the Anthony Richardson hype, but it was with Anthony Richardson, a guy who uh, didn't perform on the field, but, you know, apparently NFL scouts think he has the NFL tools. So that's one that I'm keeping an eye on, too. Barrett Salee, our guest here on WNSP. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Barrett Salee. Uh, so you mentioned Georgia. Um, they spend a lot of money, but as I said earlier today, clearly it's it's worth every dime. Yeah, 
yeah, you get the job done right in this day and age. Um, you know, recruiting budgets are are interesting, but you know, you have to combine them with the collective budgets. And and honestly, with Georgia, it's been more about the recruiting budgets than it has been the collective budgets. But now uh, they have a collective that's actually doing some some pretty decent work. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's in, you have to de- dedicate that money. You have to use those resources. And you know, Georgia's doing a great job of that. And other teams in the SEC are too. That's why you know you see them you know, at, at or near the top of, of these recruiting lists and cr- recruiting rankings. But, uh, yeah, Georgia is approaching it in a way that I think is similar to what Alabama has been doing, where they're going all in on recruiting high school kids and they're picking and choosing which, you know, transfers to go after. And, and I think was, was is evident with, you know, Dominic Lovett and Rara Thomas. But, you know, I think they're in a, in a spot where they can have players come to them and say, I want to be there, what can you do for me, instead of simply what can you do for me for a fi- from a financial aspect. So, you know, Alabama's in the same way, um, you know, where they don't really have to recruit transfers. Transfers can just say, I want to come there. Oh, by the way, how much will you pay me? It's not that big of a deal. That's a, that's a, a really, really good situation to be in. If you could attend only one of the spring a-day games or practices, whatever they call them, which one would it be? Which team has the most interest, as far as you're concerned, to get, let's say, the insight on? Yeah, I mean, it is Georgia, just because, you know, Kirby has sustained success. He won another national championship. It's a completely different situation to, like, be on the precipice of a dynasty, right? Like, it's it's really hard to win two in a row, and it's even harder to build a dynasty. You know, Alabama did it sort of, but... Clemson kind of became that, you know, uh, that 1A to 1B with that dynasty. Well, I mean, look at what Georgia's done. It's on the brink of, of being the best of the best maybe all time. Uh, that's, that's really different. That's not really a place we've seen programs go in this day and age. So on that on top of all the roster, you know, questions, and, you know, I think – it's not really questions. It's more like luxuries. Um, you know, that's. I would definitely want to go see what's behind the curtain at Georgia. Uh, all right. So in three, five, seven, ten years or whatever it is, are, are we going to be covering spring exhibition games between universities, or are we still going to do the whole spring game inter-squad scrimmage deal? <laughs> we better be doing the former. Um, <laughs> you know, the NCAA has rules against it right now. I'm not really sure why. Uh, but, you know, that idea that Hugh had has been tossed around a bunch. Shane Beamer's has said, Beamer has said it. Uh, I think Gus has said it. Um, you know, there have a lot, been a lot of people that, that have gone on the record, you know, with the Adabo Sweeney's been on this for a while. Um, I think it, it's a different landscape now, right? Because those schools, and we heard John Summerall say that he would play Auburn, but Troy's running out of spots for paycheck games. You know, UAB is running out of spots for paycheck games. And, you know, it really, really uh, hurts, you know, the Furmans, the Alabama States, um, you know, schools like that, you know, the Citadel, that really depend on those paycheck games because, you know, you're, you're looking at a nine-game SEC schedule, most likely. You're looking at m- many, many more out-of-conference games so those smaller schools depend on those pace check games to fund their entire athletic departments, not just the football program, the entire athletic departments. So they got to find a way to get that paycheck. And a spring scrimmage 
is a perfect way to do that. I'm not really worried about the bigger schools. The bigger schools, I, you know, whatever. I don't really care. The smaller schools absolutely need something like that. And I think the networks know that. And I think the networks are going to, maybe not now, but pretty soon, start to push, um, you know, different conferences to, to set something like that up if the NCAA changes its rule. Because it's, yeah, it's just a spring game, but you're running a risk if you're a TV network uh, and if you're a smaller conference of doing massive, massive damage to not just your football programs, but your entire athletic department. We're chatting with uh, Barrett Salee, CBS uh, sports reporter. So last summer during the SEC media days, probably the most popular question, at least as I can recall, they would ask all the commentators to rate the top five quarterbacks in the SEC because there were a whole bunch of them. And you started with Bryce Young and your conversation was Levis and Richardson and and, and the list went on and on. And in most cases, Stetson Bennett was kept out. I'm wondering, could you name five going into SEC media days this year? I I know the Arkansas, they got their returning quarterback, who's pretty good. Uh, What other quarterbacks would you name as far as returnees who really have a shot at uh, making some headlines this year? Okay, this is no particular order of the ones going in, but uh, K.J. Jefferson, Jaden Daniels, Spencer Rattler, um, then it gets hard. <laughs> then it gets really hard. Um, uh, Will Rogers at Mississippi State, uh, although this year might be different without Mike Leach. And, I mean, I guess some combination of Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, you know, Walker, I, I don't know, at Ole Miss. Uh, but a situation where a lot of these guys are going to have to, you know, kind of burst on the scene, whether it be Alabama quarterback X, Auburn quarterback X, you know, Connor Wegman uh, at Texas A&M, uh, you know, so I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. Brock Vandegrift or Connor Be- or Carson Beck, you're, you're in a situation now where you kind of were, you know, a couple years ago where, you know, we thought Bryce Young would be the guy. At that time, we thought JT Daniels would be the guy at Georgia. Um, you're kind of back in that conversation now. Any coaching changes, whether it be head coach or offense or defensive coordinator, that you feel is going to make a huge impact in the SEC this coming season? Yeah, I mean, honestly, getting back to Auburn in your state, Hugh Freeze, just because there's <laughs> he fits. You know, he knows what to do. And it's not like Auburn didn't know what to do. It's just that the leader didn't. You know, you look at what Carnell Williams did the last four games. Like, you, you could feel like he was in place to be the guy. You know, he fit the, the SEC mold, and he's already done it. So I don't necessarily know if Auburn's going to be vastly improved. I know the schedule definitely lends itself to a much better record. But, you know, you're looking at a guy who understands how to recruit. He understands the landscape, has done it before, and – I think this year, if you're looking at a record increase, I mean, you're looking at maybe, you know, three, four games this year. Barrett, are you pretty well convinced that when we get together in Sandestin and they announce the uh, the new schedule format, what with Texas and Oklahoma, that they're going to the 3-6 model? 
Yeah, I mean, I think right now it's just more lobbying to finish off uh, some of the presidents and ADs that are kind of just on the fence. So I think they wanted to do it, um, you know, toward the end of, of last season uh, and the meeting they had, I guess it was, what, in January, maybe it's at the national championship game. I think they wanted to announce it then, but there were some holdouts, mostly of, uh, were the ones that already have an out-of-state uh, ACC rival. Uh, but, you know, they'll, they'll get there. Um, I think they understand the benefit of it, especially now that the 12-team 12 12, uh, playoff has been announced. So I think it's just a matter of time. They just, I, I think it, they would have announced it a month, month and a half ago. They just hadn't met, and they're not going to do things over Zoom anymore. So uh, I think that's, that's really all that the problem is right now, is just they haven't had a chance to get in the same room and do it face-to-face. If they go to the uh, nine-game format, is that you brought this up about some of the the other schools that it's going to hurt them with the paychecks? So let's say like LSU, they scheduled a game down the road with Southern Cal. Do these games stay on the schedule, or do they just get rid of opponents like they play in state, for instance, uh, Louisiana or Louisiana Tech? I think that's it's good. They're going to need the network's help because I think it's Georgia and maybe Florida. They have three Power Five out-of-conference games down the road in certain years, right? Um, for those schools, a lot of that is because they have the in-state ACC rival as well. But, you know, you're going to have to cancel some games regardless. Like, you're just going to have to um, because you can't sit there and say, if you're Georgia, you want to play 12 Power Five games. Like, if you're Florida, you want to play that. That's just not realistic. Uh, and and those, little, those smaller schools need it. So I would imagine – once the new schedule format is announced, then you start getting into buyouts, conference help, quote-unquote TV deals that are not necessarily signed, but once, um, you know, once things start getting you know, down and dirty, they will be signed. Yeah, I mean, that's, those are details that you know, 20 years ago would have been a huge problem because we're talking about so much money. But a lot of these exit fees now for some of these out-of-conference contracts are like $1.72 million, which – Sounds big at first, but in reality, it's it's really not in this day and age. Hey, he's Barrett Slee. Always appreciate it. Before I let you go, though, i got to ask you, because I know you threw it out there on uh, Twitter, uh, what were some of the better responses you got for the best sporting event you've ever attended, in, in, but describing it in the most boring way possible? I got a lot of second and 26. Uh, left-handed quarterback, long pass to a skinny receiver, game end. <laughs> All right. What, what was the best sporting event you ever attended? And, and describe it to me in the most boring way possible. Um, the best sporting event I've ever attended. Um, okay, old man with a mustache runs 180 feet, falls on the ground, a team with a tomahawk on the chest, keeps playing. I see. I, I knew you were going Braves. I just didn't know in which <laughs> aspect of Braves you were going. That, that's, so, uh, good stuff. Hey, Barrett, we always appreciate you joining us, man. It's always good stuff. Uh, never a dull moment. Uh, we'll do it again soon. Have a, have a happy Easter. Y'all too. Thanks. All right. That's Barrett Salee, ladies and gentlemen. We got one final segment. What's the, can you describe in the most boring way possible the, the most exciting or best sporting event you've ever been to? I'm getting I'm getting wide eyes. From oh no! Me. I didn't know if you were teasing or you're asking me. For Both. me, it's obvious. Both. All right. For me, it's obvious. Oh, but in a boring way. Yeah, you gotta do it in a boring way. So that's just oh. just describe it like you normally would, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think it goes back to 1989, and I think people know what I'm talking about.
Oh, that's, oh, you, oh, that's right, because we beat your alma mater. I'm sorry. You see, I'm, I'm trying to help you. You see, you're talking trash to somebody who doesn't care, and I'm simply falling asleep to let you know that you've succeeded. You told me something in a very boring way. Actually, when you say 1989, I perk up because those were, those, were, those were the highlights, man. Those were the glory days. I was also 13. Stay with us. This is Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. All right, 8.52, one final segment of the day. We are hitting the road tomorrow for the Dr. Christopher Mullenix, uh Championship Drive. We're headed to Theodore. Uh, we've actually only been out there once before and never during spring. So looking forward to going out there and seeing the fine folks out there. So if you're in the area and want to stop by and say hi, uh, please do so. Air Sports One will be out there. Quick update before we continue here. Uh, Mike Weir uh, through eight is... Uh, one under there are a bunch of folks under he's one of seven or eight that are one under scott stallings is through six matthew mclean through six as well um we'll keep you up to date patrick reed is uh even through one sergio is even through two fred couples is plus one through five uh so yeah, that'll give you that'll give you a Bubba Watson set to hit the course here in just a few minutes if he's not already on. But uh, and Seamus Power also the guy who won the uh, par three with um, or hit the back to back aces rather. So anyway, um, there you go. You guys can jump in six nine four one zero five five is the number. So where do you stand on this whole Cam Newton thing, Nick? How's that for a general? I think that Cam Newton needs to just look. He was talking about this on his podcast or whatever. I I would just double down on that. Just become a podcast guy. Has has there ever been a quarterback who got benched and then didn't play for a whole year and then came back? I don't think that's ever happened before. To start. Right, exactly. Um or even come back as a backup. Like, once you have that year out the league, I feel like that's kind of like the NFL telling you, all right, man, thanks for everything, but... Deshaun doesn't count. Correct. Yeah. I mean, he got benched. Right. Yeah, no suspension. I'm talking about just like it's the end of your career. Nobody picked you up. Come back for a year. Yeah, I don't... I can't think of anybody off the, the top of my head. And, and I mean... <clears throat> Like, we all watched Cam Newton in New England. He wasn't good. We saw him towards the end of the Carolina years. He was not good. I, I, what is he? What is he bringing? Like, what? What if you were an NFL team? What would Cam Newton have to do in this moment for you to be like, you know what? Come on, man. So he keeps saying that there aren't 32 people better than him. The NFL would disagree, clearly. But I think it's more than just, can you go out there and make that read? Or I, I think it's the whole thing. I think it's the distraction that is 
your personality sometimes. And I'm not saying that's about Cam, but it's it could be about anybody, right? I I I just I think that whole it's not defiant, but it kind of feels defiant. Like there's no way there's 32 people better than me. Well, that's not exactly in, you know you're not getting in the good graces. You're basically telling the NFL franchises that the person you got. You're making the wrong decision. You're telling the NFL you're wrong. They're not They're not going to be like, oh, I'm wrong? Hey, come on. Like, I, I want to hear more of this. Tell me why you can, You know what I mean? Like, I don't... I think it comes off as defiant, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So, what are you... Do you think that he makes a roster or no? Is it just a story that we're talking about? <laughs> uh, do I think he makes a roster? It's hard. I think initially, I think the answer is no. Now things get dicey when you get to camp and you need arms and there's injuries. Yeah, but I mean, even if a player gets injured, is Cam Newton the guy you're bringing on? I don't think so. Um, and I don't buy for a second that he wants to groom these guys. Uh, I I do think it's strange, and the whole reason we're talking about this is I just think it's really strange. Like we talked about, a guy comes in and says, "I I don't want to be a backup, or I'm willing to be a backup," but they never say, "I'm willing to be a backup," but but I won't use it. But for these specific guys, these are the ones I want to back right. up. Yeah, I won't like, use why, the why I won't use the word only. Right. Why why does he want to be a backup to Aaron Rodgers, but he wouldn't be a backup to Patrick Mahomes? You know? Or why yeah, why does he want to be a backup to Josh Allen, but he wouldn't be a backup? I I, I don't get it, man. Unless, like we said earlier, those are specific scenarios. Well, he did say Jalen Hurts, too. There's no way Jalen... I was thinking that there are certain situations where those guys may not finish the season for one reason or the other. Either they're not ready, they get hurt, they're not playing well, but... I mean, there's... It's just bizarre. It's just bizarre. I don't get it. Kind of like his hats. I just don't get it. You said his hats? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not hating on him. Do you? A lot of feathers, a lot of ribbons. Yeah. Looking a lot of like accessories. Looking like an old woman in a church. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised they hadn't bedazzled those things yet. I'm sure they have. He hasn't. Maybe he has. All right. Stellar radio there, Nick. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're at Theodore tomorrow. Uh, until then, see ya. See ya.